Welcome into another edition of the Wisports.net podcast. I'm Travis Wilson, general manager at Wisports.net, and your host, the WSN podcast. We are into the very, very busy winter sports playoff and tournament schedule. Last weekend, we saw state champions crowned on the mat at the individual state wrestling tournament. We've got hockey state tournament coming up this week, team wrestling state tournament, girls basketball sectionals, and the beginning of boys basketball playoffs begin this week on Tuesday. Really uh, get underway uh, in in big time fashion on Friday night. And then, of course, regional finals on Saturday. We're going to talk with our Hall of Famer, Mark Miller, our boys basketball writer, in just a moment, previewing the boys basketball state tournament, or excuse me, uh, state playoffs, as it were, um, and get his thoughts on each division. We'll, we'll walk through each sectional, talk about the favorites coming out of those sectionals. We'll get into the seeding process a little bit as well and just dive into uh, all things boys basketball playoffs. Before we do that, though, let's remind you to help save lives on Wisconsin roads. The life you save might just be yours. Make the commitment to yourself and passengers that are with you by buckling up and putting the phone down every trip, every time. To find out more, take the pledge at wisconsindot.gov. A big thank you to the Wisconsin Department of Transportation for being a longtime partner on the WSN podcast. We also got a new uh, partner that we're working with, very excited to work with, B3 Sciences, Gain the athletic advantage of B3 Science's BFR training. See the results of your strength or performance training, exercise, or rehab in less time. Trusted by a growing list of professional teams like the Milwaukee Brewers, Kansas City Chiefs, and U.S. Olympic teams, contact Dr. Ken Otto, B3 BFR certified coach, and visit drken.b3sciences.com. Again, we're uh, we're going to focus on boys basketball playoffs here today. This is a special edition of our podcast. We'll have another <coughs> excuse me, WSN podcast out on Wednesday where we'll check in with Norbert Durst, get his reaction to girls basketball regional play, preview a little bit of the, of the sectionals coming up, girls sectional semifinals on Thursday, sectional finals on Saturday, where trips to the state tournament will be on the line. But again, today's focus is going to be boys basketball, and for that, Let's bring in our Hall of Famer, Mark Miller. Mark, good to talk to you again. Uh, we just chatted with you last week for the WSN podcast, but now we, uh, we're we going to focus and, and drill in on the playoffs, and it's always a great time of the year for sure. Yes, absolutely. The next three weeks will be exciting and, uh, you know, probably a little unpredictable. We'll see how things go. I mean, if uh, uh, it's always fun to see, you know, maybe some underdogs come out on top, but uh you know, we certainly have favorites in each division, but uh, that doesn't guarantee anything until they prove it on the court. So we'll see how it goes. Absolutely. And and again, we're going to break down each division and talk about the sectionals and the favorites. But before we get to that, I uh, do want to chat a little bit about the seating process. As a reminder to everyone out there, this was the second full year of the computer seating for the WIAA for both boys and girls basketball. Same formula used for both. Uh, which looks at uh, your own win-loss record, your opponent's win-loss percentage, your opponent's opponent's win-loss percentage, your defeated opponent's win-loss percentage, and your defeated opponent's opponent's win-loss percentage. Uh, those are the factors that go into it. The The weighting of each of those factors is not released, which is, to some people, a, a big part of the frustration or uh, complaints. Um, but, uh, Mark, we we have seen curious seating when the coaches did it we have seen it now with the the computer seating a little bit as well um takeaways for for year two uh what what did you see what did you notice 
any overarching themes or or any most common comments or complaints that coaches had about the seeding process this year? Yeah, well, uh, I think, um, you know, like you mentioned before, we're going to have complaints and concerns whether the coaches do it or whether the computers do it. Um, so I think that that has proven to be true over the last couple of years. Uh, this year, I think the, the, the thing that, that I heard most often um, was that the, the games against out-of-state teams only counted as a, as a win or a loss against a 500 team rather than the actual record of the opponent. And you can see in some of the seeds um, where that hindered some teams, maybe that should have got a little better seed than they did. Um, the other the other concern, and in this one, I, I really don't know how to fix it, um, but the, the concern is that, you know, the records um, aren't always the same. So in other words, if you're, if you're Appleton East and you, you finish 15 and five, uh, you know, let's say by the time the seats come out and you're playing in the FVA, that 15 and five record uh, should carry more weight than let's say uh, a team maybe from the big rivers that finished 15, 15 and five uh, because of the relative strengths within that each conference. Um, so a 15 and five record, um, even though, uh, you know, the, the formula looks at your opponent's record and the record of your opponent's opponents, like you mentioned before. Um, I think there's still some concern that, you know, a team like Milwaukee Marquette, for example, uh, got seated. Um, I think they were seventh uh, in, in one of the division one brackets. Um, and, uh, you know, there were some teams that were seated higher uh, that that didn't have nearly as good a record. Um so, you know, and Marquette plays in the greater Metro, which, uh, you know, as you know, is one of the top conferences in the state. So I'm looking at it right now. You know, Marquette finished the year 18 and six tied for the conference title um, and they were seated seven uh, and a team like Kana, for example, uh, had uh, four more losses, four less wins. They got a better seat and, and Kana finished uh, you know, a little lower in the FEA standing. So I think the out-of-state competition and then the relative strengths within each league uh, are still some concerns out there. Um, I, You know, the out-of-state, um, I think there's some some answers to that that perhaps the WIC committee can take a look at. Um, you know, the relative strengths within a conference, that, that's a little harder to do um, just because, you know, that can vary from year to year. Uh, and, um, you know, there, there is an argument and I think it's a, a fairly decent argument right now that, that the, the current formula does take a look at strength of schedule because, uh, it's based on your own wins. And of course, then the wins of your opponents and then the wins of your opponent's opponents. So, um, you know, by and large, I, I, I thought things were, were pretty good, um, particularly at the lower division level this year with the computer seating, but I do think there were some concerns, uh, particularly at D2 and D1 with, with some of the things that we discussed here. And I think that is interesting to note um, that as, as I was watching the brackets come out and, and comparing them to standings and other computer ratings out there and whatever else, it it was matching up very closely. Division five, division four, three, two for the most part. And then one was the, division one was the the division where it did seem like there was 
perhaps some uh, some fluctuation a little bit more or in in other places than maybe you what you would have expected or what coach seating meetings would have have uh, put out. Um, as I've mentioned before, I, I am on the seed committee that developed the seeding uh, formula that did uh, tweak a, a few minor changes in the offseason as well. Um, noteworthy that the uh, the discussion of playing non-WIA teams was certainly a big part of the discussion after last year. Uh, ultimately, the decision was made to make an adjustment for in-state non-WIAA teams, which really impacts the lower divisions. Right. Um, where if you if you play, um, you know, a Maranatha Baptist or uh, a Mountaintop Christian or a team like that that's not a WIA member but is in-state, you get credit for your win or loss, but you don't get anything added for that opponent for their uh, record or their opponent's records. Um because there were some situations where, you know, some of those small non-WI schools were playing six, eight games against other non-WI schools. And that was inflating some of those, uh, the records for teams that they played. Yeah. Um, we, we discussed considerably the out-of-state issue. Um, you know, in, there's roughly 20,000 games throughout the state of Wisconsin, team games throughout the state of Wisconsin. And there was, a few hundred, two or three hundred, I believe it was, was the number that were contested against out-of-state schools. And, you know, some of them are like a, a team like Superior, which plays almost all out-of-state schools in, in their conference. Um, but certainly teams that travel for uh, out-of-state tournaments, the border battle, uh, the Illinois border battle, just non-conference games against other teams, the Midwest Players Classic, etc. cetera. Um, so the, the number of out-of-state games is is relatively small less than one percent of all games involve out-of-state opponents and the concern was finding verifiable information for those out-of-state opponents for some schools in some states it certainly would be much easier you know if, if you play a school out of minnesota it's much easier to verify that information um than if you play you know, in a tournament in Florida and you play a team from Florida or you play a team from uh, Tennessee or Nevada or something like that. Uh, and then not only that, but because opponents' opponents' win-loss percentage is part of it, now you have to find the opponents for two or 300 teams times 20. So now really you're not having to find 200 out-of-state team records. You're having to find, you know, 2,000 or 4,000 out-of-state team records, right. which really gets complicated. So that was the the significant part of that discussion was just being able to verify that information. Um, it should be noted as well that the in Minnesota they they use a um, a formula called the QRF uh, for their seating in in some places. Um, and in that formula ignores all out-of-state games as well. So it's not you know, out of, uh, out of the realm to just not factor in those out of state games. Um, certainly something that can be looked at going forward. I think the impact of the out of state opponents is, is probably less than, than maybe people are, are making it, uh, out to be. Um, but again, something that can continue to be looked at, um, to be honest with you, the, the thing that I pushed for the most on the seating committee after last year was utilizing head-to-head -head in seeding. And we didn't, I didn't, I didn't seem to hear as many 
issues with that this year, Mark, and maybe just the way the numbers played out that there, there didn't seem to be the, the issues of teams playing head to head and one team winning and still getting seated lower. Did, did that seem to be as big of an issue this year? I would say it was as big an issue. There certainly were individual cases where that was, uh, where that, where that was brought up, for example, in D2 Medford got the number one seed uh, in their sectional over lacrosse central, which is two in on Alaska, which is three and on Alaska and lacrosse central both beat Medford in non-league games this year. Um, and, you know, as it ends up, uh, um, all three of them ended with five losses. Um, so it's kind of interesting in that respect. Um, and, you know, that's where, uh, you know, a team like Central and Onalaska both play in the in the Minnesota border battle. And I think that's where the concern is that, hey, you know, when it's that close, you know, when it when it's that tight. And, and it's a big deal because Onalaska and Central now are going to have to potentially play in a regional final as a two and three seed rather than, you know, one of them getting the one and then, you know, not having to play each other until sectionals, if, if that's the way it worked out. Um, you know, so uh, Central and Onalaska, you know, are both, uh, you know, I think uh, there's a feeling that, that you know, amongst the coaches at those schools that, that they were somewhat penalized for playing those games, um, you know, against out-of-state teams, or at least it wasn't counted like, like uh, you know, maybe Medford playing um, uh, an in-state team from a different league that had a good record, um, but maybe wasn't as good as the the border battle team that either Central or on Alaska played. So uh, the other thing that came up as far as head-to-head, -head, uh, a couple times in D1, you had eight and nine seeds, um, but because there there are very few regional quarterfinal games in Division One, because of the number of teams in that division is lower than the other divisions, um, they they did not take into account the head-to-head. -head. So, for example, Chippewa Falls is playing Superior on Friday of this week in D1, and Chai High beat Superior head-to-head. -head. Um, they're eight and nine seed, but the game's in Superior. And um, I know you and I talked about this, Travis, and Kate got back to us from WIA saying that it only the head-to-head -head only um, goes into effect when consecutive seeds are playing each other in the first round, which would be regional quarterfinals but i think she she seemed pretty open to, to taking a look at that again particularly for those d1 schools because there's not a lot of quarterfinal games at the regional level so maybe they could change the wording to you know your first playoff game if your first playoff game is against a consecutive seed that you did play head to head they, they could take a look at that i think that came into effect a couple times but the tweaks that you guys made um for that head-to-head -head and consecutive seeds actually um, did work well um, in, in several other cases in the lower divisions. So I think, you know, if you just tweak that wording a little bit and make it the first playoff game rather than, you know, the first round, um, just the wording there, you know, you could avoid the situation that, that Superior and Chippewa find themselves in this year. And to be honest with you, that was that was the intention was that it would apply in that eight nine situation. Uh, that's what we had kind of intended, and there was a little bit of discussion as you mentioned afterwards. And I think it will likely get tweaked next year. Um, it, it, our intention was that eight nine situation would have applied even if there was a sixteen seventeen game in that uh, in that sectional. So okay, um, yeah. Again, I I think that will get 
tweaked a little bit for next year. Yeah. Um, but again, my 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 push was to use head to head in any instances where teams were seated next to each other in the seating, not just if it determined a a first round home game, but you know, as you said, the the Medford example, I would have preferred if teams played against each other head to head, and they're you know one is a one seed and one is a two seed that you use the head to head um, or wherever that falls. If it's a 10 and 11 or 14 and 15, wherever that falls, um, that's, that's what I had pushed for. There was some resistance to that. And and we'll see if that gets revisited um, because it could be a a larger issue maybe next year, depending on how things play out. Um, Yeah. I I do. I believe the, uh, the eight, nine, 16, 17 example, I, I think the WI mentioned that there was five cases where that came into play and actually changed uh, the seating and who got the home game. Um, I don't know all the examples specifically, but I, I believe they said there was five of those overall. Okay. Um, you know, you know, one of the discuss this to, to death, you know, and, and a lot of people do it's, it's, it is quite interesting, but you know, basketball is one of those games where, you know, you can play a team in mid mid December uh, let's say on the road um, and and get drilled and then play them, you know, early February at your place and you drill them, <laughs> you know. So, um, you know, basketball is, uh, you know, it's a long season, as as you know, Travis, and, you know, injuries come into play and just how you're playing on a particular night come into play. Are you ready to go? Is it a Tuesday or Friday? I, I just over the years, it just seems like kids are more locked in, they're more ready to go when it's a Friday night uh, game, um, not always, but, you know, by and large, obviously. Um, and, and just, you know, it, it, you have to, teams go up and down. They, they play well for a while, then they hit a little bump, then they play well again, and that's just the nature of the beast. So, you know, I don't know if there's ever anything that would get the seeds, you know, absolutely positively right where the better seeded team wins all the way to the state tournament. It just, that's not the, that's not the way it goes uh, in any sport really. But so, you know, the things that we're talking about certainly uh, hopefully can be implemented in the future, but at the end of the day, you know, um, you just got to go and, and win and play well and, and uh, you know, see, let the chips fall where they went or where they may. Absolutely. And in a few other things that, that we did see some discussion about uh, in the seating, just to, to, kind of wrap up that that conversation there continues to be talk of you know waiting wins differently based on division um certainly I, I think we all understand and appreciate that a, a team that goes 15 and five in division one is probably better than a team that goes 15 and five in division three or division four and, and if you're a d2 school that plays up and down you know it can it, it can impact things or you know if you play a a 500 team in out of division one, you know, should that be weighted more than playing a, a really good team with a good record that's in division three, you know, that's, yep. I think up for debate, but part of the the discussion that we had on the seed committee and in through the WBCA as well, was that we didn't want teams to avoid playing certain teams because of, um, because of the formula, you know, if, if, if you give more weight to playing a D1 school as opposed to a D3 school, well, all those D2 schools are just going to find D1 schools to play. They're not going to play the good teams out of Division Three or Division Four 
and it could be difficult for those lower division teams to challenge themselves against larger schools. Um, so that was that was a significant part of that conversation uh, of of why not weighting divisions differently. Maybe that's something that's revisited. Maybe there's there's some things that could be done to to account for it without preventing or penalizing the smaller schools that are are good from finding quality competition. Um, you know, I, I've said this from the beginning, if you, and, and, you know, there's a lot of coaches that, that don't like that the exact formula is not available or released, uh, even though all of the factors that go into the, the formula are, um, if you want to game the system, be good. Number one, right. Uh, win, win lots of games yep. and beat good teams play and beat good teams. It's, it comes down to that. Um, you know, if I, I saw some people say, well, I'm a division one school and I didn't get the seed I wanted. So I'm just going to go play a bunch of D three and D four schools that have good records. Well, number one, is that what you want to do to prepare your team for the playoffs? Do you want to go play a, a Marion or a Port Edwards? If you're a D one school, is that going to be, be what's best for you to get ready for a conference season, to get ready for the playoffs? And number two, it takes two teams to make a game. So those schools aren't just going to say, yeah, we'll go and, and play you so that you can boost your resume. Um, we'll go and, and possibly, you know, get, get beat up on by a larger school just so you can take advantage of our record. Um, I just don't see that, that happening either. So. Right. I um, really agree with that. I, I, I'm with you hundred percent um, on that, um, you know, and, you know, we're in a society now where sarcasm and, and social media and all that, you know, when, when the initial uh, stuff comes out, you know, is, is readily available. And, you know, I, I'm one of the guys that did tweet a few things on, on, on uh, Sunday when the, when the pairings came out, um, you know, you got to be respectful and, and you got to be um, understanding to, to a degree. Um, but at the same time, you know, there are a few things out there that just kind of make you scratch your head. Like, like Oregon getting a four seed and Madison Memorial getting a 10 seed, for example, in D1. Um, well, here's here's the interesting part about Madison Memorial, and I'm, I'm sure you've, you've yeah. looked at this. You know, the Big Eight is now 11 teams with the addition of Sun Prairie West. And right. so they play 20 conference games, and only four non-conference games are available. So you don't have a lot of opportunity to build your resume outside of your conference. So let's say the Big Eight conference champion – goes undefeated, right? They go, they're 20 and 0 at the time of seeding and the greater Metro conference champion is 20 and 0. Well, the, the greater Metro conference team had several more opportunities to play non-conference yes. games to build their overall resume. Yeah. Whereas the big eight, really, it comes down to their own conference. Yeah. And in, in Madison Memorial situation, they played three out of state teams at a tournament, yep. you know, to their credit, going and, and playing and challenging themselves and giving those kids that opportunity and experience. And then they played a in-state non-WIAA school. So all four of their games that were outside their conference did not count in the seating. So really everything for Madison Memorial was based on their conference. And that's going to be, I think, a continued challenge for the Big Eight um, with playing so many conference games. I don't know what a better way around it is. You know, it's not saying that they should be penalized by any means, but when when other schools can play higher level competition and play better overall competition um, because they have, they, they can play better teams from out of conference more often Then that's, 
it's going to be tough um, for the big eight in, in the seeding, I think. Um, so that, that was just interesting. Like, you know, again, Memorial played no teams from the state uh, that counted in seeding outside of their conference. That was just a really right. odd scenario probably. But yeah. like I said, the big eight is going to have, have that, that issue a little bit going forward. Well, that's true. I see your point there, but at the end of the day, um, you know, maybe there can be, I don't know if the appeals committee would ever consider, uh, uh, or excuse me, the, the seating committee would ever consider an appeals committee um, for situations like that. A couple of things came to mind when you were discussing that, Travis. Number one, the Big Eight uh, has 20 games this year. They'll go, they'll go back to 18 next year because Malik Memorial will leave and join the Southern Lakes. So they'll have 10 teams next year. So that will help to a degree. Uh, number two, uh, Memorial needs to schedule better. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, they played Kingdom Prep, uh, which is going to be a WIA member, but they're not this year. Um, and uh, and then, they, like you mentioned, they played three really good out-of-state teams. No question about it. I, I saw some of those games on on. Uh, you know, on the internet. And I, I thought, you know, some of those teams were really good. Um, so in, in Memorial's case, maybe an appeals committee, you know, coach Collins could, could say, Hey, look, you know, I understand about, you know, our schedule and all that, but these three, these are the three teams we played and this is what they have. Um, you know, two teams, I think they played two teams from Georgia and one from Florida. Um, and, you know, really when you look at it, uh, obviously the big eight, uh, is one of the better leagues in the state. Um, and, and Memorial finished second in that conference and they're, they're 15 and eight overall. Uh, whereas Oregon, uh, is 17 and seven overall. So it's a one loss difference And Oregon, of course, plays in the Badger, uh, West, uh, which is a very good league, but it, it, I don't think anyone would say it's better than the big eight. Um, so, you know, the problem with the appeals committee, and I'm sure you're going to mention this, Travis, is if you do that then you could have every coach in the state appealing, you know, and you don't want that, but in, in special circumstances, and I don't know how you would um, determine what those circumstances would be, whereby a coach could appeal, but, you know, maybe, maybe there's something where you're like, okay, yeah, you know, Memorial being a 10 seed in Oregon, a four, nothing against Oregon. That, that seems pretty like a pretty wide spread. Maybe we better look at this. Um, but you know, if someone's going to call and say, Hey, we're an eight, uh, or we're a 10 seed and we should be a seven seed, you know, no, 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 no. It's gotta be for something, you know, maybe if the seeds are, um, uh, I don't know, you know, so much apart where coach has a legitimate concern, but you know, how do you determine what is legitimate or not? So, um, it, it's a tough, it's a tough thing. I mean, there, there's going to be two sides to the coin on some of these arguments. And, uh, unfortunately you know, I think I think the um, the seating committee is listening and they're trying to address things they can address. But like you mentioned, you know, because they're they're kind of conference locked in, um, they don't get to play, you know, a team from the classic gate or the greater metro or even the Badger to to, you know, get those resume non-conference wins that will help your overall seed. Um, part of that's on Memorial. Part of it's the out of state thing. Um you know, and part of it is having a, a really big conference this year. Um, so, you know, do any of those things go away in the future? I mean, the conference goes away a little bit because now they can play six non-league games instead of four. Um, and then, you know, so if you're Steve Collins, you're like, okay, we, 
we need to get some some pretty good games on our schedule against in-state competition. But then again, you don't want to take away those kids' opportunities to go to a place like Florida for the holidays and play three really good games. That that's a you know something that those kids will remember forever. So yeah, it's a <laughs> boy a lot of discussion on it, and you know not a lot of easy answers. No, there's not. And I, I personally would never support an appeals committee. Um, I think it just drags into too much stuff. And if you're going to have an appeal, then why even have a seed uh, formula? You know, just go back to having the coaches do it. Um, it. It was also interesting to note, you know, some of the some of the complaints that I saw were from coaches or leagues or areas that, quite honestly, were pretty well known for manipulating the coach vote. Um, where, you know, there was complaints about those those coaches in the past ganging up or manipulating the vote to avoid certain teams or uh, or whatever that really <laughs> precipitated the 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 desire for uh, a computerized seating system. So, you know, the the maybe the last thing I'll say on seating is the the goal of the seating was to to try to find some objectivity. Um, in judging teams' resumes to place them in the tournament. The goal of the seeding was not to have teams schedule based on the formula, or it, it was not to determine what will happen down the road or, you know, have coaches manipulate things and schedule a certain team or whatever. That was not the, the point. That's the big reason that the seeding formula itself and the weighting is not released because it's 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 meant to be just go out and play your schedule. This formula will will judge it, if you will, uh, with some objectivity, uh, right. with the subjective nature of what you put into the criteria, of course, and then go and play in the playoffs. It, it wasn't meant to be the basis for how you schedule and how you set up your your schedule. Uh, it, it goes back to the idea that that I've said before of are you scheduling based on what's best for your team and what prepares them for the conference season, what prepares them for the playoffs, what prepares you and challenges you and your, your kids and gives them opportunities, or are you trying to move up a seed or two from what you otherwise might be based on how you schedule? And so, you know, that's just a, a debate and a conversation and a philosophical macro level uh, idea that, you know, we're still trying to get everyone to wrap their heads around. And it is just the second year. Um, it takes a while for coaches to get used to new things. <laughs> There's still complaints about five divisions. There's still complaints about um, not having five or uh, eight division one teams at state. There's still complaints about uh, whatever else. The, the other thing I'll say that, you know, speaking especially to the Marquette example is that I think a lot of the complaints aren't necessarily about the seating as much as they are about the sectional placements. Um, we all know that there's some sectionals that are stronger than others, uh, that, you know, a team that's seated fifth in one sectional might be a two seed in a different sectional. So I think sometimes that creates misplaced um, frustration on, on the seating part of it. Uh, I don't know if there's a better solution in terms of the sectional placements. I mean, if you're running a regional tournament, which the WIAA is, there's only so much regional movement that you can create. Um, it's not like you can suddenly send all the Milwaukee schools up north or a bunch of them up north uh, in the north central and northwest to balance things out. So um, I think that's the other part of it, that there's 
more, and, and this is this is absolutely the case in football as well, where there's more concerns and complaints that ultimately go back to how you are placed in your groupings than there are about the actual seating itself. Yeah, yeah. well, there's no doubt about that. There's no question. And of course, the big example is Pewaukee and Wisconsin Lutheran in Division Two being ranked one, two, pretty much all year in our poll, and and being in the same sectional again. Um, you know, and they're in the same conference. They're they're generally located pretty close to each other, and um, you know that's that's pretty much how sectionals have been have been decided in the past. And yet, um, you know, there are cases. Uh, I, I think back to when when uh, when Sam Decker was playing. Um, at Sheboygan Lutheran, there was a case one year where I, I, I'm trying to remember the exact specific of it, but the the sectional lines were drawn in such a way that uh, Sheboygan Lutheran was in one sectional and, and Sheboygan Christian was in another. And uh, Christian was in the much more difficult. And it was almost like, well, yeah, they want to get Sheboygan Lutheran at stake because the Sam Decker. Now, you know, that's, that's the way, you know, some people would look at it. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know if that was the actual case or not, <laughs> but, um, you know, so I, I guess, you know, the, the D1 coaches and, and coaches across the line are saying, well, you know, between Madison, the Fox, the Fox Valley and Milwaukee, you can carve up those sectionals a lot of different ways, um, you know, whereas you don't, you know, necessarily have, uh, you know, like in our in Division One this year, uh, according to our coaches poll last week, we all 10 teams were in either sectional two or three. So there were no ranked teams in one or four. Um, so maybe, maybe you can spread those around a little bit. Of course, those come out early in the year. You know, some people are saying, you know, maybe why don't they release those, you know, in mid January where you have some idea where, where teams are. Um, I, I think there are some other States that, that kind of do it that way. Um, it might be worth exploring. Like, for example, I was I was told that Iowa, uh, in their largest division, uh, you know, will separate teams if they're both really good. For example, if if Dubuque has two really good teams this year, uh, or in any given year, um, they won't necessarily be in the same sectional. Um, so they try to. Of course, they have fewer D1 teams too, so it might be a little easier. Um, and of course, we have. You know, obviously, with the teams up north, we have some geography concerns, like you mentioned. Um, so it, it's a it's a Rubik's cube to try to solve. Uh, and you know, at the end of the day, does the WIA board and the membership still want you know the regional representation? Um, you know, and have state tournament teams from all across Wisconsin, or they do they just want the best teams to get there? And and the flip side of that is you can, you can do both, you know, you, you can maybe have a Wisco and a Pewaukee, for example, in D2, uh, you know, in different Southern sectionals and get them both there while also having a team from up North in the Fox Valley or Madison area advance. So, um, you know, I mean, I, I think everybody gets more excited Travis when, when the best players and the best teams are there at, at the state tournament at the Cole center. Um, but, you know, you, you got you got to remember, and I know you know this very well. You're dealing with, I think we have 465 boys basketball teams in the playoffs this year. Every decision you make affects every school. So, um, you know, it's it, people can complain about it, and and you know, certainly, you know, as a fan of the game, we want to see those teams at, in Madison. But you have to recall, remember that 
you know, every decision affects every school. Um, and what might, might work in one case uh, would, would really be crazy in another case. It's kind of like the, uh, the argument of moving private schools all up a division. Well, you know, that might be good for, for Dominican or St. Catharines when they're having really good teams. But, you know, that's really a tough deal for abundant life in Christian and Madison. You know, so, um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a lot of things to consider and, and discuss. And, you know, really change has to come from from the membership. Um, you know, people blame the office and Stevens Point and, you know, they're they're basically carrying out the, uh, you know, the decisions that are made at the board level. So it's it's that's not you're kind of barking up the wrong tree there when you when you blame those people you just brought in the public private debate and now we've gone completely off the rails (laughs) (laughs) Um, no you're you're absolutely right it's it's tough um you know i i i would i would encourage people to and this is tough because a lot of the complaints come from fans that don't really have a say and maybe shouldn't have a say when it's a member-based organization of high schools and high school teams. But, you know, I would love to see some feasible solutions instead of just saying, well, separate Pewaukee and Wisco or whatever it might be. Uh, I, I would love to see some feasible solutions that, that would be amenable to school administrators that are, you know, worried about an educational system first in athletics and extracurriculars second, the way it should be um, that are worried about budgets and travel and increasing uh, costs of travel and bus driver shortages and official shortages and all the other challenges. You know, I would, I would love to see something that would fit um, that would allow all of the best teams, which is completely subjective by the way. Right. Right. I mean, we see it every year that the, at the state tournament seating, it doesn't go exactly how it lays out. Um, and that's four teams, let alone 16 or 32 or 465. Um, you know, you would love to see the best teams and the best games at state uh, while still maintaining geographic representation, but that might be a unicorn that just can't be found. So right. um, maybe it's, maybe it's reseeding at sectionals. I mean, we did that in the COVID year. If, if, uh, people remember yep. uh, there was kind of the pods and then reseeded at sectionals. Um, maybe that's an opportunity to balance that a little bit. Um, maybe there's some, some solutions that could come out that are, again, that are doable, passable and defendable. Um, and hopefully those, uh, those discussions will continue so that, you know, as much as um, at least I enjoy kind of the debate and the discussion and, uh and everything else you know it's it's best when the focus is on the kids on the court and on the field and and wherever else um instead of well this team should be here the wi screwed us uh private schools suck whatever it might be um sure it's it's best when the focus is on the teams and the players and yep. the communities so absolutely it's hard to it's hard to advance it's hard to to win games you know on the road or on neutral sites I don't care if you're public, private, rural, urban, big, small, whatever. Um, so I, I, I agree with you. Um, you know, and, and you got to have a level. You got to have um, an even keel about yourself. Uh, you know, take the emotion out of it. Um, not that you know the emotion uh, can can you know stir some some questions, but um, 
you know, everyone's trying to do what's best. I mean, I don't think anyone's trying to, you know, to, to um, ruin things for a particular school or a kid or anything like that. So um, lots of fun things to discuss and, and look at. Um, you might be right on the unicorn thing as far as placements for schools. Um, so, uh, yeah, we'll just see see how it goes going forward. But in the meantime, we, we have a lot of games to play over the next three weeks, and it'll be exciting and fun. We absolutely do, and we're going to get – to the games now. Uh, before we do, though, uh, another reminder, please help save lives on Wisconsin roads. The life you save might just be yours. Make a commitment to yourself and passengers that are with you by buckling up and putting the phone down every trip, every time. To find out more, take the pledge at wisconsindot.gov. Well, Mark, let's move on to the actual games and the actual fun stuff that, we, uh, that we're going to be talking about today. And we're going to go through each division of the uh, WI playoffs Take a look at some of the sectionals uh, and, and just kind of talk about the top teams, how things fell, your thoughts on them. And why don't we start in Division One? We've we've had a lot of discussion about Division One with the seeding and the, the movement and everything. Um, and so we'll start there in Division One. And in sectional number one, of course, that's uh, usually the northern and, and western sectional. Uh, it, it is a pretty wide expanse of teams that pulls from the Fox Valley area all the way up to Superior, to the central part of the state, over to Hudson on the uh, uh, Mississippi, or excuse me, on the uh, Minnesota border. Um, Oakland Memorial got the one seed. Hudson got the two seed. There was some controversy in all of that part of it. But uh, take us through sectional one and division one. Thoughts, uh, top team, you know, what we're looking at there. Yeah, I think it's a wide open sectional. Um, you know, mentioned Oakland Memorial and Hudson. Hudson won the Big Rivers, swept Memorial. Um, but they were close, um, and, and both teams are, have very similar records. Memorial's 19 and five, Hudson 18 and six. So, if they were to play for a third time, uh, it would be in the sectional final. So the question becomes, you know, do they have enough to get there? Well, uh, they could, but they're, they're going to run into some Fox Valley teams and some teams from the uh, Wisconsin Valley Conference. Um, you know, so it's it's going to be a, it's going to be a it's going to be a difficult road. Um, when you look at all the teams here, um, you know, there's, like I said before, there's really no overwhelming favorite, but I, I picked Oshkosh North to come out of this sectional. Uh, they're 16 and eight, they're a three seed, so it's not like they're way down or anything like that. Um, I, I think the star power they have with with Stephen Clark and Xavion Mitchell is really a, a tough one-two punch for teams to contend with. They open up uh, on Friday with a home game against Appleton West. And then they're they're looking if they get by West, they would play another home game in the regional final against uh, either Spash or Nina. Uh, they just played Nina at home and, and defeated them. So um, I, I think that that might be the team to kind of keep an eye on uh, in that sectional. Um, but Appleton East is an interesting team, and I wrote about this in our D1 preview. Uh, they they had kind of a disappointing year, I think most people would say at 12 and 12. I think coming in, a lot of people thought they would contend for the FEA title. Uh, and they got a tough first game. They got to go to D.C. Everest, which uh, has one of the better players in the state, Marcus Hall. But if there's a sleeper um, in the sectional, I think it might be Appleton East. So my pick is Oshkosh North. And then I think a sleeper to keep an eye on is Appleton East. Sorry, I got to take myself off mute there. Uh, oh. Mark, I was I was going to say uh, the, that northern sectional – uh, does also include defending state champion Nina. And, you know, other than when Stevens Point had that great run of three state championships in a row, it's kind of been tough sledding for those 
non-FBA schools up there. Um, just getting two state in Division One to begin with. Uh, River Falls got there a couple years ago, but um, outside of Stevens Point, it's been quite a while since a, F, or a WVC or Big Rivers Division One type team has really made too much noise at the state tournament. Yeah, it has been, and of course that that is a result uh, in large part of going to five divisions because in the, when we when they used to have four and the D one schools had eight teams at state, then you know the Big Rivers Wisconsin Valley usually had a rep uh, at state from one of the sectionals. But you know the FEAs uh, year in and year out uh, the best or one of the best for sure leagues in the state, and um, you know for a school like Marshfield, which had a great year, won the Valley Conference you know, to have to open up against Appleton North and then looking at a second round game against Hortonville. And then, you know, uh, if they're lucky enough to, uh, um, or fortunate enough to get to the section around, then they'd probably play a non-FVA team, but then they're looking at an FVA team in the, in the sectional final if they get that far. So uh, in, in all likelihood. So uh, it is a challenge for the Wisconsin Valley and Big Rivers teams. There's really not a whole lot they can do about it other than, you know, playing, the, like you mentioned earlier, when we talk about seeds, yeah, let's play really good non-league games and really try to, you know, toughen up our kids. And I think the schools have done a pretty good job doing that. Uh, many of the Wisconsin Valley teams now play FEA teams and non-league games. And uh, Hudson challenges itself, I think, pretty well uh, going across the border and playing a lot of Minnesota teams. Uh, so... Uh, it has been a while, and, you know, I think that's more than anything due to the fact that, that the Fox Valley Association is so strong, uh, not necessarily due to the fact that that the Big Rivers or Valley doesn't have good teams. I mean, last year, Eau Claire Memorial was a terrific team um, and took Nina, you know, in, that, in the sectional and lost to Nina in the sectional final. So, um, you know, it could happen this year where one of those teams pops in and not an FEA team, but my, my money's on Oshkosh North, but, you know fun about this all this stuff is we could pick but you know we're i'm not going to get them all right so <laughs> any of those teams can pop up there and uh and you know get that upset and get to madison all right well let's move on to sectional two in division one very strong grouping there the peer undefeated top ranked team in division one all year is the top seed and then you had a whole bunch of schools that were very close together uh two through probably eight that are very strong. And we, we, we talked about under seeded. We didn't even talk about Bayport getting an eight seed. I think they are 17 and seven, something like that. Yes. Uh, and they're an eight seed. So, yeah. I mean, that just shows the depth and, and strength of that grouping where, like we talked about before, I mean, if, if a couple of those schools were over in sectional one, they're probably two or three spots higher than what they would be in this group. Yeah, I agree. Totally. Uh, you know, it all comes down to the pier though. They're 24 and all, uh, they're the best team in the state. Um, you know, they proved that with their win over Pewaukee uh, a couple weeks back. Um, you know, they, they've, they've taken on some, and they also beat Wisco in a non-league game, so they've taken on some pretty big challenges in their non-league schedule. Um, you know, so uh, every, this sectional runs through De Pere, of course. Um, you know, the Fox Valley Association champion is in this sectional in Fond du Lac. Um, they finished 18-6. and six. Uh, came out of nowhere really to win the league title after winning just four games a year ago. Uh, Marquette's in this sectional, which tied for the greater Metro. Um, you know, then, then you got the Kimberly and Kakanas of the world, which are really strong. Um, Milwaukee King has got a, a pretty good team at 15 and seven, and they're a nine seed. Um, so, you know, Sheboygan North finished very highly in the, in the Fox River Classic Conference and has a strong team. Uh, 
this sectional is going to be really fun to watch, um, you know, as, as these other teams beat up on each other. Um, but, you know, I just don't see anybody beating the pier um, unless, you know, they, they, you know, anything can happen in the tournament, obviously, if you get an injury or foul problems or you just don't shoot the ball or another team just gets hot and starts to gain confidence, anything like that can happen. So maybe a team like Homestead, you know, as a four seed at 19 and five, uh, you know, comes out of here. But uh, I think if you if you asked all the coaches and said you get one team to pick and if, if you pick the right winner, you get, uh, you know, a gift certificate for 25 bucks. Every coach in the sectional is going to pick the pier. So uh, um, we'll see if Johnny Kinzinger and Willa Hornseth and uh, Zach Kinzinger and, and the crew from the pier can get to Madison after losing last year, I think, in the sectional finals. Or, you know, if somebody will upset them. Um, but my money's on DePere. And if I had to pick a sleeper, um, you know, maybe Marquette High. Um, you know, they, they, they're a junior-dominated team. Um, I think the fact that they were seated where they were um, and they're in the bracket opposite, they're in the lower half, not the upper half with DePere, that might give them incentive. But uh, I don't know. Uh, any any number of teams could really be a sleeper. Um, I guess when you talk about sleepers, it's uh, – a team may be seated a little higher. Um, so I guess I'll go with Marquette High in the in the sleeper department there. Well, that's that's an interesting thought of Marquette being opposite to Pierre, who's the you know the, the favorite coming out of there. Would you would you rather be the seven and be opposite them, or would you rather be a five and you know have to play them much earlier in the uh in the playoffs? So uh yeah. just, just some yeah. food for thought. Yeah, absolutely. Um uh, yeah, I mean, uh, like Kona, for example, they got the sixth seed, and they're in the lower half, so that I'm sure they're happy about that. They get to host Manti in the first round, and then um, even as a sixth seed, you're going on the road for the regional final, um, in all likelihood, unless unless you know the team gets upset that you're playing. So, you know, six, seven, five, uh, uh, you know, uh, and, and this is where I think Travis, what you mentioned before, um, if the coaches were doing the seating it would look different <laughs> because every coach that would go into that seating meeting would want to be opposite to peer um, in the, in the diff- other half where it's just one time, you know, one game and a sectional final and we'll see what happens. So all the teams that were in the lower half are, are probably pretty happy. Well, you know, Hey, maybe we should be a seat or two higher, but at least we're opposite to peer. Um, so, and, and I'm not sure that, that it would have been um, all, you know, hunky dory had the coaches done it because there would have coach been coaches walking out saying all the coaches from this league ganged up on us and we had no recourse. So, you know, we got to play De Pere, you know, in the regional final, or we got to play De Pere, uh, you know, early in the, in the playoffs. Uh, I wanted to ask you as well, before we move on, and we're spending a lot of time on this, this group, but um, Will Hornseth from De Pere, we talked about last week when we were going through some of the top prospects in the state and, you know, the impressive uh, season that he's had. Um, he, he's got some mid-major offers. My question is, does this tournament run matter for his recruitment? And I hate to ask that question because obviously we love high school basketball and the tournament play and everything else, but does it really matter? Or is it going to be all about April and June for a kid like Will Hornseth from a recruiting perspective? Yeah. Um, well, I think the people that know about Will um, are that are maybe haven't offered yet, um, but but are you know very interested. And there's a number of those schools, and some of them are at the high major level. 
um, you know, we'll take both into consideration. Those, those see, they're going to watch, you know, I mean, you know, with the, with, with whether they're there in person or whether they get a copy of the game films, um, you know, if, if DePierre goes to state, they're going to watch those games. They're going to want to see how he's interacting with his teammates, how he's playing, how he's used, um, you know, the, the type of performance he puts on. Um, does he score just inside or can he go inside, outside? Does he rebound at a high level? Um, you know, how is he with moving the ball? I mean, there's so many things that they'll look at. And, you know, when I talk to college coaches um, over the years, I think I think they really try to see kids in as many different settings as they can. Um, they want to they want to gauge how it, this kid is with his high school players who maybe aren't quite as talented as as all his teammates in the club circuit. They want to see, you know, how how are the parents how are the parents locked in with the team concept? Um, you know, how are how is he treating his teammates? How is he treating a tough call? Um, you know, when all the students are cheering and the gym is full, um, that's important. But then, of course, it's also very important when you get out in the spring in the summer to see Will play against really good big guys who have offers from high major schools, um, you know, maybe outside of Wisconsin. So um, to answer your question, I think it all matters um, and, and it will matter um, and it will only enhance his, um, you know, his, his, his chances of landing additional scholarship offers if he performs well and if he leads to appear to the state tournament, that, that that's a big deal. Um, you know, at the high school level, um, there's a lot of things that are different that you won't see on the AAU level. For example, a sectional uh, semi in front of a packed crowd uh, with students getting on your case from the other team, bands playing, officials making calls, the whole community is there. I mean, you know what it's like. Um, and and then, of course, uh, you have the opponent that's got, you know, five days to, to prepare for you. So they're going to try to take away your strong points. Um, and then on the club circuit, you've got things that the high school circuit can't uh, simulate, you know, with the opportunity to play multiple times against really, really good players of, of equal size, you know, in Will's case. So I think both of, both uh, are, are important, you know, as, as, the, as the kids go through their high school experience and, you know, the recruitment process. All right. Well, let's move on to sectional three in division one which gets, gets us down more into the Milwaukee area. There's uh, some Madison area schools involved in there as well. Um, the top seed Arrowhead, the second seed Middleton, I know some of the big eight coaches were not pleased about that. Middleton's got one loss compared to two for Arrowhead. I'm guessing probably Arrowhead's overall and, and non-conference strength of schedule uh, maybe got a little bit of a boost there. Um, but division, or excuse me, sectional three, a lot of greater Metro schools and a lot of big eight schools. Yeah, really good sectional. Um, you know, having seen both Middleton and Arrowhead, I had no problem whatsoever with Arrowhead getting the one seat. I think they're both really, really good. doesn't matter because if they all go to where they want to go, they're going to play in a sectional final on a neutral floor anyway. So, um, you know, one, two, who cares? Uh, may, maybe it's a little tougher, you know, at the sectional semi because you're playing potentially the three seed instead of the four. But um, Arrowhead, you know, won the Classic 8, um, challenged itself, I thought, really well in their, their non-league games. Uh, Middleton played, a, you know, a, a couple decent non-league games, but a couple non-league games that maybe weren't weren't quite as good against maybe 500 type teams. So, you know, who you schedule matters. Uh, and like you mentioned earlier, that Big Eight having 20 league games this year really hindered schools like Middleton from going out and playing a couple more games against really good teams. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's really close. 
I really like Middleton's size. I like their experience. I think they're a really hungry team. Uh, they're probably sick of playing all the big eight teams. They want to go prove themselves on a bigger stage. So I did pick Middleton to win um, and, and get to the state tournament. But uh, certainly Arrowhead's going to be a, a, a really good team that could come out of there as well. My under-the-radar team is Madison Memorial as a 10 seed. Um, uh, unfortunately for Memorial, they're looking at a regional final potentially if they get by, uh, a road game at Brooks central on, on Friday, they're looking at a regional final, most likely at Middleton. So that would be a pretty tough back to back for Memorial to come out of, but I do like the way they're playing. Um, I, I, I think Braylon blue and Sam Mickelson, their two senior leaders are, are really, uh, performing at a high level. Uh, coach Collins is getting some pretty good production off the bench. Anthony Miller can really put up points in a hurry. Um, but they, they really have a tough road, um, you know, to, to get to Madison. Um, so, uh, a team like Wanakee, um, uh, has an easier road, uh, as a three seed they're, they're hosting Oconomowoc. Uh, which is not an easy team, by the way. Even though Conwalk's only 11 and 13, they just beat back-to-back nights. They beat uh, Tosa West and Cuba City at Cuba. Um, and, and then Wanakee's looking at either Milwaukee, Hamilton, or West Dallas Hales. So it's a little a little easier because they would host both those games than Memorial, which has to be on the road against a greater Metro team. And then, of course, uh, most likely against uh, the Big 8 champ in Middleton. Here's an interesting what if, as we talked about out-of-state games and, and everything else. Arrowhead was supposed to play in an out-of-state tournament, right? Right. Over, over Christmas, and yes. I think they they got caught up in all those flight cancellations, maybe. Yep. Um, and they ended up picking up games against, I believe it was Carmen Northwest, Northland Pines, and somebody else. Kingdom Prep. Was a pretty Kingdom Prep, okay. So they picked up, you know, at least two pretty good games, although be it against smaller competition, if if arrow if arrowhead goes and plays in that tournament you have to wonder if that would have been enough to <laughs> flip the script there and yeah. arrowhead gets the two and middleton gets yeah. the one but as you said ultimately if you beat everybody you're supposed to beat you're playing at a neutral site in a sectional final anyway right. so right absolutely one and two not much different absolutely you know and it's uh you know, I, I, I'm sure you remember the days where, where everything was predetermined before coaches seating or any of that. Where the yep, my my high school uh, team, my we played the team that we were assigned in June. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so if that were the case, you know, <laughs> you know, people complain about Wisco and Pewaukee and you know Arrowhead and Middleton, or you know, you can go up and down. You know, on D five, there's some really good teams that are in the same sectional, but. Uh, you know, it, it sure beats what we used to have, um, where sometimes you'd have, you know, two of the better teams playing right away in the regional level. So, yeah, my my uh, sophomore year, Richland Center was uh, eighteen and two or nineteen and one, and in the top five in the state in the polls. Portage was eighteen and two, top five in the state in the in the polls, and had to play in a regional final. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, it was just just the way it was, and. It, it wasn't any any fun back then either. Um, but let's move on to uh, sectional four, where Kettle Moraine is the top seed. You know, comparing sectional strength, I mean, Kettle Moraine, I think, is 14 and 10, a solid team, but, you know, well off the pace in the Classic 8 Conference. Certainly not a sectional that has the depth either at the top or just throughout as sectional two and sectional three especially. Yeah, and here here's a case where, you know, if you look at the teams, you got the Kenosha schools, the Racine schools, Janesville schools, Beloit, and then you got some of those Southern Classic 8 teams 
like McGuanago and in Muskego in here. Um, Oak Creek is in here. Uh, you know, this is probably a case where, um, you know, somebody would say, well, why, why can't the Madison schools go to that sectional? And, you know, and, and maybe they could, I don't know, but you know, that's not the way it's set up this year. Um, so this sectional is probably the weakest of the four. Um, not to say there's not good teams in here, um, but whoever comes out of the sectional will likely be the fourth seed, uh, you know, when they reseed the state tournament. Um, Kettle Moraine uh, is, is the one. Uh, they certainly have a chance to win this. Uh, Franklin uh, is the two. They're at 16 and eight. Um, and they, they won the, uh, the Southeast Conference. I did pick Kettle Moraine. Uh, but, you know, a team like Muskego as a three seed uh, is playing pretty well and has had a good year. They're dangerous. Um, you know, Beloit Memorial uh, is is starting to play some pretty good basketball. I mean, they, they've won some games here late. They're a 14th seed, and they got to go to Muskego right away. So, uh, you know, that's probably going to be a tough call. But, you know, I'm sure Muskego didn't love to see Beloit in that spot. They probably would have rather played somebody else because, uh, you know, Rico Yarborough is uh, – uh, just a, a scoring machine in the second half of the season here for Beloit. So, um, you know, Kenosha and Indian Trail is another one to keep an eye on as a four seed. They they finished second in the Southeast. Uh, they're 18 and six. They I think they have the best record um, in the sectional. Um, so that's a team that that has some pretty good players on it. Uh, MJ Stackhouse, 6'8 junior, who's a really good player and a college prospect and is getting D1 looks. Uh, they might be the good sleeper team to keep an eye on. You know, Craig is in this sectional, and anytime you shoot the ball like Craig can on any given night, uh, that can make things really difficult for opponents. But uh, on the flip side of that, if they don't shoot it well, they don't have a lot of size, and they struggle to score. But, gosh, that's a team that can get 10, 15 threes in any given game and, you know, just, just outscore people because they, they can shoot it so well. I got a chance to see Kenosha Indian Trail earlier this year in has to be one of the weirdest games that, that we have seen. Um, they played on a Saturday at Richland Center, a 8-14 and 14 team, I think it is, out of the uh, Southwest Conference, my alma mater, where my brother Colton, who, uh, who works for us, is the uh, JV coach. Uh, Indian Trail was up 18, I think, at one point in the second half. Richland Center came all the way back and took a lead in the final minute, probably should have won. Um, but Kenosha Indian Trail got a steal and a, a score in the win. Um, so it's it's tough when you look at you know a comparative score or uh, a result like that. I mean, barely beating a weak D3 team, um, and then they're a you know a potential favorite or a strong contender in uh, in a Division One sectional. So just a really odd result for that one earlier this year for sure. Sure, and I think that's a team that that has gotten a little better as the season has gotten a lot better actually as the season season has gone on. I know he played. Kakana, I think it was maybe around December, mid-December, something like that. And they just just were not competitive in that game. Um, so, you know, the Southeast this year, I, you know, was okay. It wasn't great. You know, the Racine schools are, um, you know, not not spectacular. Um, so, um, you know, they did pile up some wins there in that league against teams that, that have not played very well. Tremper and Bradford are both down. They're, they're 16 and 17 seats. So that's, you know, four wins right there. So, um but I, you know, when you look at who they're going to play in the sectional, um, it's teams, you know, that I think they can be competitive with. Um, but, you know, I do like those classic eight teams, uh, Muskego and, and uh, Kettle Moraine in particular. McQuanago's playing pretty well. They, I believe they just, just beat, uh, I can't remember if it was Kettle or Muskego. Um, 
and and um, you know, so I, I think that those classic eight teams, um, if I had to put money on it, I would say one of those classic eight teams is going to come out of there. One more D1 tidbit before we move on. Uh, Kettle Moraine's coach is Trayvon Hughes, who, of course, played at St. John's Northwestern uh, Academy in high school and then was a point guard for the Badgers for four years, outstanding point guard there. Uh, obviously, David Burkemper has led teams to state the last couple of years at Pewaukee. Um, I'm spacing, though, on other Badger players or Division One former Division One players that would have led teams to state in in recent memory. Any any you can help us out with? Uh well, um, Marcus Jackson at Milwaukee Lutheran is Marquette former player, uh, but he hasn't been to state. They have a nice team this year, though. They they, they potentially could make some noise in the playoffs. Um, oh gosh, I, I'm sure there's been you know Ted Voigt w- played at Wisconsin, uh, you know from Lakeland. He he had some good teams, Bob Luxinger, you know, who was at uh, uh, Marshfield. And then, uh, oh, gosh, Bob, where, I'm trying where, to was, where was where was Frank Shady? Where did he go to college? Frank went to Eau Claire. Um, Eau Claire, okay. But then yeah. he played he played professional, right, or yeah, something he, like that? Yeah, he played in the NBA very briefly with the Kansas City Omaha Kings uh, back in the day. Um, but, you know, there, there are guys, uh, you know, back in the day, it was much more common to see former college players coach um, at the high school level, um, you know, guys like Hughes and, and, um, and Burke Kemper. Um, and you know, there are uh, a lot, certainly tons of division three, uh, and two guys in our state that, that are coaching that were former players. Um, but, uh, that's an interesting question. It'd be kind of fun to research that and see, you know, Hey, who are the former big names from, you know, the division one level in our state who, who, became high school coaches that did a really good job. You know, Tim Locum coached at Nina for a while. He played at Wisconsin, um, you know, but I know, I know I'm missing a ton of them because, because, <laughs> because there were a lot of them, um, you know, that, that uh, particularly back in when the rosters used to be a lot, lar- lot larger back in the sixties and seventies um, that, that went into coaching, you know, Mark Newberg played at Wisconsin uh, from Aquinas and he still helps out a little bit over at Madison Memorial. Um, Mike Carlin, uh, played at Wisconsin, uh, and he was a head coach, um, at a couple different spots. And then he, he most recently was helping out at river Valley. I I think, I don't know if he's still doing that. I haven't seen him in a few years, so, um, he might not be doing that anymore. And, um, uh, I know I'm missing some, some big, some bigger names, but, uh, interesting, uh, concept there to, to research that. All right, well, let's wrap up Division One and let's make some people mad. Mark, give us your picks for Division One on who you think is going to get to state and who you think is going to win it. Yeah, well, of course, that's up on our website now, so people may have seen this already, but uh, I picked Oshkosh North, DePere, Middleton, and Kettle Marine all to make it, and then I picked DePere over Middleton in the championship game. All right, DePere would be undefeated state champions if that was the case, and We'll see uh, when things begin next, or excuse me, begin tomorrow night with a few games, and then, of course, mostly getting underway on Friday. Well, let's move on to Division Two. finally. Um, in Division Two, Sectional 1, again, kind of northern and, and western groupings. We talked about it a little bit before when Medford is the top seed on the top part of uh, that bracket with Lacrosse Central and Alaska, very strong teams there as well. Fox Valley Lutheran got the one seed on the bottom part of Sectional 1. Take us through sectional one division two 
Right. Boy, this is a this is a very competitive section, in my opinion. There's there's some really good teams here, some very balanced teams. Uh, I think teams that on any given night can 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 advance um, or get bumped off, um, which, you know, is the case every year. But, um, you know, I pick lacrosse central to come out of here. Um, I thought they're dominating performance on the road at on Alaska and uh, to get a share of the Mississippi Valley Conference uh, championship was was a bit of a statement. Um, although uh, they did play Aquinas last week, and I think they were down at half and ended up winning, but it was really close, which might be more an indication of, of Aquinas being better than maybe we think than than anything. Um, not quite sure on that one. Um, you know, Alaska is a little banged up right now, and that's hurt them. Uh, they're not playing as well as they did at the mid, mid portion of the season. I thought they were playing really, really well. Uh, see if TJ Stutley can, can get his health back because that's going to be vital for them. So you're looking at a central on Alaska um, regional final and Anna got the two seats. So it would be back in on Alaska and that's going to be a tough one to call there. <laughs> like it always is, you know, Medford on the upper half, their, their, uh, their path to get to sectionals. Um, they're going to have to probably beat either River Falls or Rice Lake. Both are very competitive, both above 500. Um, both play in the big rivers. So um, I think they can get there, but it won't be a walk in the park. And then on the lower half, uh, you know, Fox Valley Lutheran, I think, is really well coached and, and shoots the ball well. They have some size. They're playing really well. They got to share the Northeast Conference title. Um, and, and the team on the bottom, uh, uh, number two seed in that bottom lower half, Shano finished, I think they were third in the Bay Conference. Um, but they, they have a young man by the name of uh, Michael uh, Metcalf Grassman, who's going to Oshkosh. That's a really good basketball player. So I think that that's a team maybe that can, can get to the, to the sectional level and play an FEL. And a sleeper in there is New London. I think they're playing really well as, at this point as well, another big conference team. But uh, when it's all said and done, I, I pick Lacrosse Central to, to get to the state tournament. All right, let's move on to sectional two in division two. West appears the top seed on the top part of that bracket. Number of FRCC schools in there as well. And then the lower part of that bracket, Nicolay out of the North Shore Conference, uh, a number of North Shore Conference schools down there, including Cedarburg and Whitefish Bay. Sectional two in division two, Mark, what are we thinking? Yeah, uh, well, West Pier got a pretty good deal for being a number one seed, and they have 10 losses. Um, but the problem being that the, <laughs> the teams behind them are all very similar. So the upper half is pretty wide open. Um, I don't know who's going to come out of there. Uh, you know, uh, West Pier could. Port Washington is much improved this year. Um, you know, Pulaski's 9-15, and 15, but... Uh, you know, uh, Dave Shaw's son, Derek, a really good basketball player and could really put that team on its shoulders. And, of course, you know, they play in the F FRCC, so that's some good competition there. You know, Notre Dame's had a pretty good year, but they're probably looking at uh, a regional final against Ashwaubenon. It would be at Notre Dame. Uh, they split during the regular season, so that's a bit of a toss-up. Um, you know, Menashe is playing some pretty good basketball right now. Uh, they could be a sleeper in that top half. Uh, the lower half, you mentioned, uh, you know, the, the teams from the North North Shore. Nicolay's 20 and four. They're the one seed. Are they best sophomore in the state, or at least one of them? And Davion Hanna, uh, who played last year at Academy of Science and was in the state tournament. People might remember him. Um, Grafton's a capable team. I'll tell you another team that, that's playing really well is West Bend East. That could be a sleeper team to come out of there. Um, and Whitefish Bay has 
has a really good guard in Jaden Guyton and a, and a, and a 6'10 kid in David Ackles. So, um, you know, they, they got a chance to maybe make some noise. But, um, you know, this is a tough call, but I'm going to go with Nicolet. I think on paper they're probably the pick. Um, but, boy, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see somebody else come out of here. It's it's pretty balanced. And there's uh, whatever team gets hot in this sectional and starts to play its best basketball and really uh, kind of peak, um, you know, will come out of this sectional because there's a number of teams that are that that are capable of uh, even with records with with double figure losses that, you know, capable of putting it together and getting to Madison. All right, sectional three in division two, a de facto Badger Conference tournament uh, where McFarland uh, is the top seed. They're moving into the Badger next year. Um, Stoughton got a two seed. Bottom part of that sectional, Westosha Central is the number one seed. You got some uh, Southern Lake schools in there, Waukesha West out of the Classic Eight. Even we're seeing Park out of the Southeast Conference. Um, what are we? What are we looking at in sectional three, where maybe not quite the strength as, for instance, sectional four? Yeah, it's it's another really balanced sectional. I think with a lot of a lot of you know teams that are of similar talent level. Uh, McFarland's probably the one that that stands out the most in the upper half for sure. Uh, you know, they finished 21 and three, won the Rock Valley Conference, and uh, they have a good mixture of uh, of size, uh, shooting from the perimeter, good guard play, uh, some pretty good overall athletes on that team. Um, and uh, and the other thing is that the, the vast majority of their key players are seniors. Um, so that's a team that's that I think is going to be tough to beat. Um, but they're looking at um, potentially. Uh, a first round game against a Monroe team that, you know, uh, is if Monroe gets by Portage has been through the, you know, the, the toughness of, of what it takes to survive a Badger conference season. So, um, you know, Stoughton is a number two seed and, and, you know, they, they have a good team. They played a good schedule this year. Uh, Ty Fernholz is one of the better shooters in Wisconsin. The kid can really shoot it from the perimeter. Um, Milton's in that lower half of the, of the top part of the sectional. And, and I think that they're a team that could get hot along with Mount Horeb. Sauk Prairie's had a good year. So a lot of teams could come out of the top half. Uh, the bottom half, um, I think there's three really, really good teams here. Uh, when you talk about Westosha Central, uh, which won the Southern Lakes. Then you talk about Whitnow, which won the Woodland uh, East Conference title. And then Burlington, which finished second to Westosha uh, in the Southern Lakes. I think all three of those are really good basketball teams. And I picked Westosha to come out of the sectional. Um, but, um, you know, I, you know, Whitnell's 20 and three and Burlington's 19 and five, and they're both really good. Uh, they're probably looking at squaring off against each other in the regional final. And that would be over in Hills Corners at Whitnell. So, uh, you know, that would be a heck of a basketball game to watch. So, uh, but I think I think Westosha's got what it takes. They've been there before. Uh, you know, we've seen him in Madison the last few years, or quite a bit over the last few years, I should say. So um, I'm going to pick them. But uh, it's balanced, and there's any number of teams that could come out of here. All right. The main event in Division Two comes down in Sectional 4, where the top seeds are respectively Wisconsin Lutheran, and Pewaukee, the top two teams in the coaches' poll basically all year. They've played twice already in Woodland Conference play. Pewaukee swept uh, Wisco. Pewaukee's a two-time defending state champion in Division Two. 
how how much should we just focus on that potential yeah. third game yeah. in the sectional? Well, you know, certainly they're both favored to get that far, but uh, I think both have some challenges ahead of them. Uh, when I look at Wisconsin Lutheran in the top half, I think the, the biggest challenge uh, could come potentially uh, in, in a regional final, probably against Milwaukee Lutheran. But uh, I think they'll they'll have what it takes to get by Milwaukee Lutheran. But, it, you know, it's Milwaukee Lutheran's 14 and 10, playing some pretty good basketball right now. Uh, just beat Pius, which uh, which finished third in the Woodland West and played Wisco twice. So, um, And then they're looking at probably a, a, a sectional semi against a Wauwatosa West team that shared the greater Metro title with Marquette and Sussex Hamilton. Um, so that, that, you know, and they feature Kai Rogers, 6'10", uh, 6'11", sophomore who's got many division one offers. Um, that would be a, a, a very good game. Um, I do pick Wisco to get by that one. I just think that there's experience, their guard play. Um, they're, they do have good size to, to make things tough. For Rogers, should they get that far? Uh, not quite as big as Kai, but but guys that are in the six 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 seven range, with length. Um, and then in the lower half, you know, Pewaukee certainly is favored. I think they they got a fairly uh, smooth ride. I think to the to the sectionals, and then they're probably looking at the winner of Martin Luther and Greenfield in a regional final. Um, you know, they they Greenfield's in the Woodland and Martin Luther in the Metro Classic. I think that would be a really good regional final, by the way. Um, but I do see Pewaukee and Wisco playing for the sectional title. Uh, and I went with the third time the charm this time for Wisco, uh, not only uh, as it relates to losing to Pewaukee twice th this season in league play, but also the last two years, um, you know, Pewaukee's come out of the sectional. I, uh, you know, I would not at all be surprised, obviously, if Pewaukee did it again. They're a really, really good team with, you know, really good players. But uh, I think uh, I'm just kind of, you know, thinking that maybe this is the time for Wisco to to get over the hump and, and get to the state tournament. All right, there you go in, in uh, sectional four, division two. I think you mentioned all of the teams that you were picking to, to come out of sectionals and make a state, but give us your state picks sure. and uh, your state championship. Yeah, I got Wisco beating Lacrosse Central in the semi and Nicolay over Pistosia Central, and then I got Wisco beating Nicolay for the championship. All right, time to move on to Division Three, a division that we've seen a, a lot of quality teams, some uh, teams with some pretty st uh, strong records ranked in the top 10 all year and some pretty well-regarded teams not even ranked at, at different points in the season. So sectional one, as always, much of the northwestern part of the state, Osceola, uh, who spent much of the year undefeated. They're a top seed in the top part of that bracket. Also includes Prescott, a very, very strong team. Northwestern's in that grouping as well. Bottom part, perhaps the favorite in Division Three. West Salem is a top seed down there, where their path is maybe a little bit easier. Elk Mound is the two seed. Colby's a three seed. Um, but a, a pretty strong sectional overall, especially that top grouping. Yeah, you know, um, I agree. I, I think that West Salem will get to the sectional finals uh, and probably not have a team come within 10 points of them to get to that point, although... Um, I do think Wisconsin Dells as a four was probably underseeded. I, I think that they maybe could have been a two or three, but um, you know, that's just a matter of, Hey, we're going to, we're going to see West Salem in the regional final. Or we're going to see him in the sectional semi. And in their case, they're going to have to go to West Salem and play him in their gym, which is a tough break. But um, uh, I think West Salem's uh, 
every bit as good, if not better, than a 23-1 and record. Their only loss came to the top-ranked large school in Minnesota, and it was a very competitive game uh, against Park Center. Uh, I really like their team. Uh, I think they're really connected and, and have tremendously strong senior leadership. Uh, really good players, uh, particularly Carson Kepnick and Peter Latos. Uh, really good uh, role players on any given day can can be a leading scorer or, or top rebounder. Um, so I just think they're going to be really hard to beat in this sectional. Um, as far as the lower half, uh, or excuse me, the upper half, uh, Osceola won the middle border. Uh, they're playing Unity tonight, which will be kind of interesting because uh, Unity is one of the two unbeaten teams along with the pier in the state that's left. Um, and, um, you know, they're looking at, uh, probably a rematch, uh, of, uh, two league games that they played with Baldwin and Whitville, and then they're going to probably face uh, Prescott or Northwestern in the sectional semis. Northwestern is 22 and two, a little bit of an afterthought, I think for some people, you know, they're in the heart of North. They won the conference title. They have good, very good players. They've achieved a lot of success over the last several years. I would not take them lightly at all. It wouldn't surprise me. Uh, if they if they were playing West Salem in the sectional final, I, I think they're a really good basketball team. Uh, and Prescott, you know, obviously uh, has one of the best shooters in the state, Jordan Mamlov. Uh, and Dallas Wallen is is kind of a do everything player for that for that team. So uh, certainly they could advance to the sectional final. But we're we're, we're looking at uh, West Salem coming out of this sectional. If they didn't, uh, that would that would be a major upset in my mind. Um, but I just don't see it happening. All right, time to move on to sectional two in division three. Top part of that bracket, Xavier got a top seed. Little shoots the two seed. And I think a really intriguing team is the three seed Northland Pines. We talked about them a little bit earlier. They scheduled a pretty tough non-conference schedule. They they played Arrowhead. They played some good teams. They play up in the greater, excuse me, in the great Northern Conference, which is largely made up of division two schools and performed really well this year and uh, are a three seed that I think is pretty dangerous Bottom part of that bracket, brilliant, looking to get back to state where they made it last year. They're a top seed, Southern Door is a two seed led by Drew Doust, outstanding score, uh, just a, an underclassman still. Oostberg's a three seed down there. Pretty strong, balanced grouping in sectional two, I think, Mark. Yeah, I think uh, Brilliant's the team to beat here. I, I think, uh, in my mind, West Ham and Brilliant have been the top two D3 teams all, all year. Um, they each have one loss, so they enter the playoffs 23-1. and one. I think Brilliant, like West Salem, is a very senior-dominated, connected team that plays well together and has lots of experience and has a, a difference maker in Jeremy Lorenz, uh, who's going to Wofford. So um, I, I really think that this sectional runs through Brilliant. Um, you know, the top half will be interesting to see. Uh, you mentioned Little Shoot and Northland Pines potentially playing in a regional final. Uh, that That would be very interesting to see who would come out of that. Um, I, I, I agree with you. I think Northland Pines is, is a team that not only could come out of that particular game, but, but could potentially come out of the top half. Uh, they did beat Xavier a year ago in a regional final uh, on the Northland Pines court, and most of those players are back for Northland Pines. So, uh, you know, that, and, you know, they lost, uh, they played Medford twice. They played Mosinee twice. Uh, they played Catholic Memorial. They played Arrowhead. They played Newman Catholic. I mean, they played a really strong schedule. Credit to their coach for uh, not only uh, playing a really great league schedule, but uh, going outside, not only uh, to play good teams, but outside his area to play good teams. Um, 
So I think that could help them in the long run. Xavier's a, a team, I think, that, that you know, certainly could get there as well with Alex Sherwood leading the way. Um, they got some, some seniors that can shoot. They got a pretty strong junior class. They won the Bay Conference 22-2 and two overall. They're hard to beat at home. So, you know, I, I think they'll probably get to the sectional. And then, you know, they're probably looking at that winner of, of Northland Pines Little Shoot. But uh, uh, I, I think Brilliant uh, has what it takes to get back to Madison after being there last year and losing in the semifinal round. Um, so, you know, so far in D3, we got two teams that were there a year ago coming back for a repeat, uh, you know, showing uh, this time around. Like you said, big credit to Terry Clement, the, the head coach at Northland Pines. That's, you know, if, if anything, known more as a hockey school, a very small school up there in Eagle River, only 450 kids um, su- support a standalone hockey program, boys and girls, um, but a, a, a real turnaround in their basketball program. And like you said, really testing themselves. He brought his team down to the, uh, our tournaments in the past in, in some of the events that we've done to to really challenge them. So big credit to uh, to what they're able to do and going to be uh, watching uh, what they can do this year. So that's sectional two. Let's go to sectional three in division three, which is uh, much of the Madison area, southwestern part of the state. Um, Edgewood is the top seed down there. We've seen them do pretty well against some of those teams coming out of the Rock Valley and the SWC over the years. Bottom part of that sectional, Columbus is a number one seed. A lot of Capital North teams, a lot of very good Capital North teams down there. Lakeside Lutheran, Lake Mills. You've got uh, defending champion Lake Country Lutheran as a four seed in that sectional as well. Uh, sectional three, Mark, what are we uh, thinking there? Well, I think the lower half is really intriguing because you got those three teams that shared the Capital North title. Um, I think Columbus is probably playing uh, the best of those three teams right now um but uh they they got the one seed so they're not going to have to go through both lake mills and lakeside they're only going to have to see one of them (laughs) and and i'm sure that their coaches are thankful for that um (laughs) and they beat both the second time around in in the league uh you know in the league schedule after losing to both the first time around um lakeside uh or excuse me lake mills um interesting you know we were just talking about northland pine scheduling up i think lake mills does a great job uh with the 14 non-league games they get (laughs) it's just crazy because the capital north has six teams next year it will have five teams because luther prep is going to the uh, midwest classic so um something needs to be done with that capital conference i mean it's crazy how many non-league games you have to schedule uh, for those ADs and for the coaches. But, um, you know, Lake Mills and Lakeside are, are looking at a regional final at Lakeside. Um, that will be the rubber match this year between those two teams. And, you know, uh, when you talk about rivalries within a city, uh, it, this one is really kind of unique. You know, first of all, it's a public-private uh, situation. Second of all, it's in, and it's in a mid-size, it's in a smaller city, really. Um, you know, it's not like a uh, Edgewood and, and West or whatever. They're not in the same league. They hardly ever play. Or, uh, you know, even in, up in La Crosse where Aquinas plays Central and Logan, it's split because you got two public schools and you got one private school. Here, you got just one of each. And and uh, both are really, really good. And, you know, Lakeside gets kids from all over. So um, it's not just Lakeside, Lake Mills kids that go to that school. So, um, and the gym's always packed. And it's it's a healthy, friendly enjoyable rivalry that I think everyone really looks forward to. So um, 
that will be a, a beautiful game as a regional uh, final one that I think any basketball fan would really relish the opportunity to attend. And then, and then do, when, they, do they play for anything in, in basketball In football? They play for the slider bowl. I don't, is, I don't uh, think they the slider do. Bowl trophy. Yeah. You know, because basketball, you know, it's not just that one and done, you know, um, you play twice and, you know, this year they split and it's just, it's just a great game with great crowds and, and tremendous competition and, and a lot of respect, which I, I really find refreshing. Um, you know, that the, the coaches like each other, they respect each other and they go at it. Um, you know, so the, the lower half, one of those, one of those three teams are going to come out of there. I, I did pick Columbus. I think they're playing really good basketball and some of those guys, you know, from their successful football team are really starting to, play exceptionally well on the basketball court now and AJ Utech is their leader their point guard um but they have other good players as well um Nathan Cotter I think he was on the football team he might even been the quarterback um is is having a fantastic second half of the season uh for Columbus um so I I think and they too played a really good non-league schedule in the upper half uh I don't think it's quite as strong you know Edgewood's kind of been a little up and down they they did win uh, the Badger West this year, um, they've played, you know, well at times, but they, when they struggle to shoot, they struggle to score. Um, and then it makes it really hard on them. Uh, if they can make some three pointers and get some, you know, the slashing of Al Dang and, and Lucas, uh, Shula close, uh, going that they can be a, a tough out, you know, Beloit Turner's 21 and three with, uh, uh, you know, a really veteran lineup as well. So, I think the top half will probably come down to Edgewood or Turner, but I pick Columbus to get to Madison. Speaking of Columbus and football, where they, like you said, won a state title upsetting Catholic Memorial last year. How about big man, Colin Selk, 6'5", 290 pound, yeah. uh, all state lineman leads yeah. them in assists with uh, like almost four assists per game. So yeah, I, uh, I love to love Fall, to see that. I, I saw them play at Fall River, uh, as you may recall, and uh, you know this is a, a a tight little gym, right? With a stage, you know, it was probably built in the fifties or whatever. Um, great environment. It was absolutely jam packed. You know, schools are located close to each other. They both have successful teams, and that kid, that kid steps on the floor, and I'm like, holy crap, this court isn't big enough for that kid. I mean, he was a monster, and they got a couple other guys. Uh, that are really big. Uh, you talk about a physical team, but they're not just football players. They move well. Uh, they have good skill. They can shoot. They can pass. They can certainly rebound. And then, you know, you got Cotter and you got um, Nolan Stoffinger, who are very athletic and easily get up and dunk. And then you got, you know, a, a really good point guard in AJ Utech. So, um, you know, this is a team this is a team that's going to be tough to beat. I mean, I'm even thinking of West Salem and brilliant now against potentially a Columbus. Um, I'm not, I don't know if Columbus has enough to beat those kind of teams, but man, I, I sure like to see him try. Cause it's a, it's a fun team to watch because of all the different pieces they have with the football kids and, and the athleticism. And then, you know, the true basketball player and, and AJ. So uh, we'll see, we'll see where it goes. Uh, they certainly won't have an easy, easy road. Um, you know, and, and Lakeside Lutheran's got one of the best players in the state and Levi Burkholz. And, you know, I saw that kid score 28 points and have just a fantastic game at, at our Illinois border battle against a school of about 4,000 kids. So, um, you know, don't count them out either. Uh, this, this is a fun sectional, um, like it always is, you know, the Madison area, 
you know, whether it's the Capitol or the Badger or the Big Eight, the, there's good basketball, and it's always fun to see in the postseason these teams go at each other. Uh, between Colin Selk and then Zach Milsna of Cashton, who's 6'5", 290 yep. pounds, all-stater, yep. uh, plays basketball for them as well. Yep. Those are not guys that you want setting screens on you, I don't <laughs> think. Uh, that would not be a pleasant experience. No, I saw the it, Cashton this last summer in one of our tournaments, and I was like, that kid is immense. And I'll tell you what, he's not a bad basketball player, and Cashton's a good basketball team. So, <laughs> yeah, I love watching those guys play. Uh, you know, if I were a player, uh, I would not want to necessarily play against them. But my thought is anytime you play against guys like that, it's almost like a mini version of of the Big Ten or the Big East. You know, when you try to get to the lane and there's these huge bodies bumping and grinding you and just knocking you off your, your balance, um, that's how that's how it can be. You know, when you try to take the ball to the rack um, against these teams that have these these unbelievable linemen who, you know, you think they're just big and they can't move. Well, that's not the case. These guys can move. Um, and that's why they're going to a place like Wisconsin, because they, you know, they're much better athletes than they might first appear. Would be, uh, you know, talking football players versus basketball players would be be a little bit like when Amherst made it to state back in 2014 or 15, whatever it was, when Tyler Biotish. Right. Uh, and Garrett Groshek were yep. on that Amherst team. And, you know, Biotis is in the NFL now is a, a kind of a veteran at this point. And yeah. it was a, a, a unique experience for for them. And it'd be a similar situation, uh, you know, Colin Selt getting to state with Columbus potentially. Well, let's uh, let's move on to sectional four in division three. Carmen Northwest at the top seed in the top part of that bracket. That also includes Dominican, Brookfield Academy, Milwaukee Academy of Science, really deep top grouping in that top part of the sectional bottom part of the sectional we're seeing st Catharines is the one seed st thomas moore is the two seed of course made it to the state tournament last year after uh, winning a, a lawsuit to advance catholic memorial is a three seed pretty good teams at the top in sectional four in division three. Oh, absolutely absolutely this is a loaded sectional and you know carmen northwest is is not big but they're experienced and they're quick uh, and they won the, the, the city conference this year. Um, Dupree Fletcher Jr. is is a stats uh, sheet stuffer. He can score. He can rebound. He can pass. He can put defensive pressure on opponents. He's really quick. Um, and, um, you know, they're looking at a regional final. Uh, I don't know where they would play this game. I mean, on paper, it should be a Carmen Northwest. I have no idea what their gym is like, but they're looking at potentially playing Dominican. Uh, in a regional final. And I, I think Dominican Dominican's a team that is 15 and eight this year. Uh, you know, they lost twice to Thomas Moore. They lost twice to St. Katz. I think they split with more, uh, Martin Luther, um, you know, and then I know they lost it by one or two to Nicolay. Um, you know, I'm trying to, they lost in a uh, shootout too. Um, but I think they split, they, they beat South Milwaukee um, but they did lose to Grafton in a, in a pretty darn good basketball game. So, um, you know, would the WI potentially move that game if Carmen doesn't have the seating? Um, that would be interesting. Um, Dominican is a young team. Uh, all their best players are underclassmen. In fact, they, they play almost exclusively underclassmen. They have some Division One kids on that team. Um, I think that would be a great regional final. Uh, Brookfield Academy, uh, 18 and six, shared the Midwest Classic title with Lake Country Lutheran, but they're looking at um, 
<laughs> they're looking at a regional final at Milwaukee Academy of Science, which again plays in a very, very small gym. And I don't know if they would potentially move that game. Um, but MAS is a team to really look out for. We talked about them last week a little bit, Travis, with their overtime loss to Pewaukee. They have two of the better sophomores in the state, and Jamarian Bateman and Devin Brown. They got size, they got depth. Um, you know, that's a team that that certainly could come out of the top half. Uh, you know, I, I think it's going to be Carmen, Dominican, or MAS. I don't know if Brookfield Academy has quite what it takes to, to battle those type of teams coming out of the top half. The bottom half, St. Catharines is 23-1. and one. Uh, They had a good football season this year, I think. And and um, one of the kids that's the star on their team, Davian Thomas Kampula, or Kampala, is, is going to Wisconsin, I believe, for football. Um, and then they have the Ray brothers, who are about 6'5", and really put together along the baseline. And then they, I think they have the best freshman in the state this year, Lamont Hamilton, a lefty point guard who is a quick on quick guy who it, it's almost amazing to watch how quick this kid is. I mean, quickness is, you know, is something you can never simulate. And when you get on a bigger floor, uh, it becomes even a bigger factor. Um, so if they were to get to the Cole center, uh, that would be a plus for them. But again, football comes into play there because they got three of their starters are, are, are key football players. Uh, well, actually four, because Lamont Lamont played football, too, as a freshman. He was a wide receiver and had a pretty good year for him. Um, so Thomas Moore finished second uh, to, to St. Katz in that Metro Classic um, and is 20-4 and four overall. They got two of the better juniors in the state. Uh, many people might recall from last year, Amari McCautry and Saku Kano. Uh, they have some other guys that uh, uh, Evan Olson that, that played a lot and started last year as, as a sophomore. He's a junior this year. Um, certainly a team that's going to face a big challenge um, in the regional final uh, on their home floor, uh, most likely against Catholic Memorial. Uh, and CMH comes in at 17 and seven. And again, uh, several football kids on this team, um, but also some really good basketball only guys. Um, I picked Catholic Memorial to come out of this sectional. I just think, you know, when you play in the greater area, excuse me, in the classic eight and you're playing, Arrowhead and Muskego and McGuanago and the Waukesha schools and Oconomowoc and Kel Moraine, you're playing those teams twice each. Plus they, they played an unbelievably tough non-league schedule, um, you know, including a game against West Salem where they were very competitive, actually had the lead for a while in the second half, ended up losing, but it was a close game. So I went on a limb and I picked CMH just based on how they're playing right now. The fact that they played uh, the toughest schedule of anyone in the sectional, um, but, you know, I think there's four, maybe five teams where it wouldn't surprise me if they, you know, on the bottom half, Cats, Memorial, Thomas Moore, none of that would surprise me if they made it to Madison and the upper half, uh, Carmen Northwest, Dominican, MAS, none of that would surprise me if any of those teams made it. So this is easily the most competitive, and I think it's probably the deepest sectional of any sectional in the state, no matter the division. And I always say year to year, the deepest division to me is Division Three, because all the sectionals have multiple teams that that you say, hey, it wouldn't shock me if this team came out, and they might be a five seed, <laughs> you know. And I don't know if you can always say that in the other divisions, but to me, every year it seems like D3 is the deepest and I don't think that is any different this year. 
interesting to note that uh, Carmen Southwest was or Northwest, excuse me, was supposed to play in the Milwaukee City Championship game, um, but they could not because that would have placed them over the number of uh, contests allowed in the season. And uh, thankfully, they caught that and realized it before. Uh, they played in that, or we would have had flashbacks to what was it, the early '90s in the yeah. Milwaukee Hamilton yeah. situation, where they played too many games and got disqualified from the playoffs, and then the a judge granted them the ability to play. Uh, they played, lost, and then it was later forfeited and vacated. So, yeah, um, yeah, we was, don't want. I'm glad it was caught. We, we really don't want to see that the courts involved. It's such a such a downer that happens, and yet you know. This is, uh, you know, like we had last year with TM. I mean, it's just, it's just, uh, you know, sometimes it's going to happen, but you just hate it when it does because it just takes away the focus of what you really want it to be on. As far as the state tournament in D3, I got West Salem over Columbus, brilliant over Catholic Memorial, and then West Salem over brilliant in the title game. Um, but you know what? I, I could be right or I could be wrong totally and have the, the four wrong teams, although I really think West Salem's going to get there. But, uh, it's 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 really a, a, a like I said I just think D three is uh, one of the more enjoyable divisions to watch because there's so many teams that that uh, you have no idea before you tip off who's going to win. All right, well let's make the the move to Division four in sectional one with undefeated Unity as the top seed. There, one of only two undefeated teams remaining in boys basketball. I think that's a, a smaller number than what we usually see. Uh, but Lady Smith is in that grouping as well. Cameron, Cumberland, bottom part of the bracket. Fall Creek is the top ranked, top seeded team. Durand, Arkansas got the two seed. Division four, sectional one. What do we think there, Mark? Yeah, um, you know, I don't know a ton about Unity. I, I, uh, you know, it's uh, way up there in Balsam Lake, so it's a long ways away from from Madison, where I live. So, uh, or Sun Prairie. I mean, so. Um, yeah, I mean, I know Sean Fisher's a good coach. I know they've had good teams and they've had good players. Um, I know a little bit more about some of the other teams, uh, you know, coming out of there, and particularly the Heart of North teams. So Cumberland, Cameron, and Ladysmith are all fine teams with very good players. Um, Cumberland's an interesting team to me. I, I, they have a 6'8 sophomore who's really, really starting to get good uh, by the name of Goers. Um, but, um, you know, so I don't know who's going to come out of that top half. I guess if, uh, you know, on paper, you'd pick Unity. I think the fact they're playing Osceola tonight in their last regular season game will help them. It'll toughen them up, you know, play a really good Division Three team to see where they stand. Um, and that'll help them, you know, in games against potentially Cumberland or Lady Smith or Cameron, you know, at the at the uh, pre-sectional final level. On the bottom half, uh, know these teams a little bit better. Uh, Fall Creek, you know, they, they finished second to McDonald. Catholic in the uh, Cloverbelt West, and then they, they lost to Columbus Catholic in a shootout in the uh, second place game in the Cloverbelt crossover. Um, but they, they have the player of the year in the Cloverbelt West and Bo Volrath, who's about 6'6". Uh, very, very talented player, particularly around the basket. They have another 6'5 kid. Um, you know, they have some experience on the perimeter. Uh, Rick Storley's got a really strong team this year. Um, I think they come out of that lower half, um, you know, Whitehall won the Dairyland, um, large, they were undefeated in the Dairyland. In fact, this year, uh, Devin McCune is a very good basketball player. Uh, you may remember in our camp last year, Travis in Fond du Lac. Um, but, uh, you know, who's going to come out of this? I, I, I picked fall Creek. I, I just think, uh, you know, the Clover Belt is a, is a good proving ground. Uh, they, they played some good non-league games, um, 
and yet, you know, um, uh, this one's pretty wide open. I, I, I think, you know, any, any number of teams probably could come out of here. Uh, Duran sitting down there as, as a, as a two seed in the lower half, um, you know, Lady Smith and Cameron are both 19 and five and, and have good players. Um, but I'm going to go with Fall Creek to get to Madison. All right, let's make the journey over to sectional two in division four top seed in the top part of that bracket marathon. There's several Mara, uh, Mara Wood teams in that grouping uh, that, that Mark referenced in his preview, a strong group of Marawood South teams, especially St. Mary Catholic is the top seeded team in the bottom part of that bracket. Crivets is the number two seed. We've also got some teams like Kiwani and Chiacton, pretty solid groups uh, there as well. So sectional two, Mark, what do we think there? Yeah, you know, I, I really, uh, I, I say this every year, but I think the Marrowwood South is one of the better uh, uh, conferences in the state at the small school level, and I think that was the case again this year. You know, Marathon and uh, and Auburndale and Newman Catholic are were all exceptionally strong, and then Edgar Stratford and Assumption were were very competitive. Um, so, um, you know, I think we're we're probably looking at uh, a Marathon Auburndale. Uh, uh, third times the charm time kind of game uh, in, the, in the sectional semi on the top half, um, you know, and then uh, you mentioned uh, uh, Shyocton. Uh, they won the, um, the Central Wisconsin East Conference Championship this year. They're in the lower half. Uh, they're looking at potentially a, a regional final at St. Mary Catholic, which finished second to Howard's Grove in the Big East North, just one game behind them. But St. Mary's is 22 and two. Shyocton's 14 and 10. Um, I kind of like St. Mary's to come out of the, the lower half uh, in Marathon to come out of the top half, and then they got Marathon going to state. I agree with you on Kiwani. I think that that's a team that that potentially could make the, to the sectionals, uh, playing in the Packerland and, and playing a pretty strong non-league schedule. Um, but uh, I, I think Marathon uh, is the team that will go to Madison, uh, and the difference maker for them is is uh, Grant Warren, their six nine uh, junior center. All right, sectional two wrapped up. Moving on to sectional three, western, southwest part of the state there. Luther, the top-seeded team, uh, two losses, I, I believe only two losses, both coming to West Salem. Uh, of course, Mark's favorite in Division Three. You've also got a pretty strong group of uh, teams from the SW, from the uh, SWAL, excuse me, in Mineral Point, Cuba City, looking to see if Jerry Pettigrew can ride off into the sunset with uh, – Maybe a, a trip to state. You've got Bangor down in that group. Cashton, uh, Scenic Bluffs Conference teams. Uh, of course, Bangor moving up to Division Four this year. Always a pretty group, a pretty deep sectional grouping. Uh, and then on the bottom half, some more pretty strong teams: Darlington, Belleville, Deerfield, Marshall. Uh, a pretty deep group of teams in sectional three, including again uh, Luther, whose only two losses came against West Salem this year. Right. I, you know, I think Luther is the team to beat uh, in this sectional. Um, their combination of length, uh, senior experience, uh, some decent depth, and, and some tough kids. Um, Cody Miller, Isaiah Swichtenberg, uh, Logan Barr, probably their three top players, uh, all really, really good basketball players. They, they did lose twice to West Salem. Uh, they were competitive for most of the game in both games. Um, but, you know, Salem had one of those spurts particularly in the second game where they separated themselves and, uh, and were the better team. Um, Bangor won the scenic bluffs. Uh, I'm sure they were thrilled to see a possible uh, regional 
semifinal game against Aquinas. Um, <laughs> Aquinas comes in as a seventh seed, 16 and eight. I, I'd have to look, but I'm guessing most of their late eight losses are against teams from from the higher divisions. Um, so, you know, they're one of the teams that uh, with the drop down effect, um, you know, B- Bangers got Tanner Jones in the backcourt and Dustin McDonald, two, two really good players. They're tough at home, but they got to play an Aquinas team that's grizzled and, and you know, is playing on Alaska twice and Central twice and Toma and Logan and, you know, and so um, we'll see who comes out of there. But, I, you know, Mineral Points had uh, a good season. Uh, they stumbled a little bit lately. Uh, they're 18 and five. Um, but I do think they could potentially make the sectional semis. Um, I think they, you know, they're probably going to have to get by cash and at home uh, in another really good regional semi. Um, and then, you know, up by Luther, uh, you know, we're looking at a, a, a regional semi, potentially Cuba City and River Ridge. So you mentioned Jerry Pettigrew stepping down after this year. And Tom Nysis will be doing the same at River Ridge, two guys that, you know, have close to 1,500 wins between the two of them um, and two guys that have been around the game a long time. So the loser of that game, um, you know, will have his career ended. Um, but both teams are really good. River Ridge is 20 and four and Cuba 17 and seven. And uh, River Ridge got the, the better seats of the game uh, likely would be at River Ridge, although there might be some talk of moving that to a larger venue, maybe at Lancaster. Uh, the bottom half, uh, you know, Deerfield, I think, is is, is a really good team. Um, I, I think that, uh, you know, they won the Trailway South. I, I think that they, you know, will probably play Darlington um, uh, in the sectional semi, although Belleville certainly could upset uh, Deerfield. Belleville is also a very good team um, and won the Capital South Conference this year. Uh, so Belleville and Deerfield are looking at a game against each other, uh, two conference champions in a, in a regional final that would be at Deerfield. Um, but I, I see Darlington coming out of the lower half, but, uh, I did pick Luther to get to Madison. I think that, uh, uh, they're, they're the best team in my opinion in division three, uh, division four. Sectional three, moving on to sectional four in division four, Howard's Grove, a, a team that ended the season, or at least, uh, in our most recent coaches poll, number one, spent a good part of the season, several other weeks at number one, kind of bounced back and forth. Uh, had some great games, a couple great games with St. Mary Catholic. Howard's Grove, the top seed in the top part of that grouping. St. Mary Springs, a two seed. Kohler, a three seed. Valders is a four seed. We've seen them get to state in uh, the not too distant past. They went down to Peter Brookshaw in uh, that that great yes. excuse me, game in 2018. Yes. Um, bottom part of that bracket, K- uh, Kenosha St. Joseph is a top seed. Horicon's a two seed. Prairie School's a three seed. Seems like maybe the top part of that bracket, especially the top three or so, top three or four, maybe a little bit stronger overall than the bottom part of that bracket. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. Um, you know, if you're Kenosha St. Joe's, you're pretty happy. <laughs> you know, I mean, you're not with Spring with Springs or Howard's Grove, um, and of course they 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 do this by um, they seed half the the bracket, so they they weren't in there with them to begin with, but. Um, I think Kenosha St. Joe's has a really good chance uh, of going to the sectional final. They're 14 and 10. It's like, well, that's nothing special. And it, it, it isn't. But when you factor in that they lost eight games two each to Thomas Moore, St. Catharines, Martin Luther and Dominican, uh, you know, and they beat a team like, like Racine case and Kenosha Tremper. Um, this, this team, um, you know, they're, 
their junior point guard, who's also a good football player, Eric Kennessy, it, it to me is worth the price of admission. He he's just a whirlwind out there. He is competing on every single possession on both ends of the court. So I just marvel at the energy that he has when he plays basketball. Um, you know, they're they're probably looking at a sectional semi with the Prairie School. Um, and they split their regular season matchups this year. So that would be a bit of a toss up. Uh, in fact, uh, Prairie, Prairie probably should have beat them twice. They, they got uh, upset at home uh, in one of the last weeks of the season on a, uh, a shot by Tennessee real late in the game after, after leading for most of the game. But you're right. The top half is, is, is deeper and stronger. Uh, Howard's Grove, uh, well-coached team led by Tanner Schumacher, uh, tough kids won't back down make it tough for opponents to score with their physicality and with their defensive concepts. Um, I, I think that, that uh, they're probably looking at um, a game with St. Mary Springs in, in the sectional semis Springs won the flyway uh, a very senior dominated team uh, again with uh, I think all five of their kids are football players. <laughs> um, you pretty much have to play football at Springs. I think Uh and then, you know, who wins Howard's Grove and St. Mary Springs? Well, number one, it's a great game. Uh, two of the better D, D uh, four teams in Wisconsin, for sure. I'd put both in the top five. Um, and then it, yeah, I think it comes down to how, how well does Springs shoot the ball? They got multiple three-point shooters, but they've been a little up and down this year with their three-point shooting. So if they shoot it well, I think they'd come out of there. My pick to win the sectional is St. Mary Springs. Um, and uh, as far as the state tournament goes, I got Luther beating Marathon and Springs beating Fall Creek, and then Luther beating Springs in the title game. All right. Almost through. We got one division left. Division five, sectional one. And, of course, division five, we, we have to mention off the bat, we'll have a new state champion this year because Randolph moved up to division four. Uh, Randolph pulled off the, the double in boys and girls basketball last year, and moved up to division four in boys and girls basketball. So we're getting a new champion in division five for sure. We know that uh, sectional one though, in, in it also worth mentioning almost all of these teams. I, I don't know if there's any buys in, uh, in boys in division five. Um, uh, actually there are. A... Um, what happened this year, there's three buys. Um, what happened was I'm trying to remember the school Stockbridge and I'm trying to still determine why they're not playing in the postseason, but they are not in the playoffs. Uh, Phelps, Played kind of a uh, mostly JV schedule this year. They did play a couple of varsity teams, but they are not playing. Uh, of course, that's a school, a really small school. So I think they'll be back next year, but they, they're they not playing this year. Uh, again, the numbers is this issue at Phelps. So uh, Stockbridge certainly had enough kids. I, I, I don't know. Something must have happened there. Um, and then I'm trying to remember there was one other team that dropped out. Might have been a small private school. I can't remember right off the top of my head. Um, but normally we got 128 and D five this year, we got 125. Yeah. Looking at the bracket, that other buy is down in that small, that uh, far Southeast group in sectional four in the I bottom. Was, so it uh, must've been young cogs prep. Maybe that could be because yeah. they're not in the playoffs. And yeah. of course they were at the state tournament, won a state title 2011. I think it was, they beat uh, Hillsborough in either the semifinals or the championship game, I remember. Um, yeah. But either way, we, we have almost a full bracket in Division 5, something we don't have in, in the other groups. And in fact, Division 1, uh, there's only a, a couple of 
opening game. So yeah. almost everybody's going to play on Tuesday night in Division Five. Yes, uh, and that includes Sectional One, where Solon Springs is a top seed. You've got uh, a number of Indian Head Lakeland schools in there. Hurley's the second seed. Again, it's a full bracket of sixteen teams um, in that top part of the bracket, and then the bottom part of the bracket, McDonald Central, who spent much of the year at number one in the coaches' poll. Uh, they are the top seed down there. Bruce is a second seed. Um, again, a bunch of Lakeland Conference schools. Uh, a lot of them make up uh, that that bracket as well. So uh, far, kind of Western Northwestern group in sectional one. Mark, are we are we thinking like Norbert's thinking in the girls, where there might be a little bit of a return or resurgence of the private schools in Division Five? Um, yeah, I think so, but. Um... Not a given. Uh, I think Solon Springs is a really good basketball team. I, I, I've seen them uh, three or four times where I just sat down and watched the whole game because they're kind of an intriguing team to watch, uh, you know, on, on the stream. I haven't made the trek up there, but <laughs> um, they have a kid, junior, Isaiah Castron, who's a really good player, 6'5", and just athletic as all get out, dunks up has multiple dunks every game. But the, he's surrounded by really good players, and their only loss this year, they're 22 and one was to superior in a game that they, they were in until the end. And of course, superior is a D one school, uh, but they're looking at, uh, you know, uh, unfortunately butternut gets to play them tomorrow night uh, and butternuts. zero and 23. Uh, and, you know, I struggled. Um, so I, I think Solomon Springs is looking at a, a rematch with Hurley potentially in that sectional semi and, and Hurley, is a team that they beat twice during the regular season. But as we know, Hurley's got two, two of their five starters back from the state tournament team a year ago. So that will not be an easy game. And, you know, sometimes you, it's hard to beat a team three times and we'll see what goes there. But um, I do like uh, Solon Springs to get to the sectional final. I think the lower half is a little deeper. Uh, McDonald Catholic uh, is 22 and two won the Clover Belt West and then and then beat Colby in the championship game with the Clover Belt East uh, on Saturday. Uh, it's I, I would say that McDonald maybe has had better teams in the past that have gone to Madison, but I don't know if any have played uh, their roles any better than this year's team. I, Adam Schilling has done a really nice job with this group. Um, they're led by Eddie Mittermeyer and Cannon Huss, two first-team all-Clover Belt West players. Um, but uh, they're looking at potentially a, a regional final on Saturday against an Owen Withy team that I, I think is really good. They're 19 and five. They they finished I think in third uh, in the Clover Belt East behind um, uh, champion Colby, and then Columbus Catholic was number two. But this is Owen Withy team has size and experience. That will not be an easy game. That will be a very difficult game for McDonald. Uh, whereas you know. Hurley and Solon Springs, uh, you know, they won't be on cruise control, but they won't have that type of matchup in the regionals. And then in the lower part of that um, sectional on the bottom, Bruce ha has a nice team at 18 and four, and so does Prairie Farm at 17 and six. But um, I honestly think McDonald's toughest game to get to the sectional final might be that Owen Withy game. Um, however, when it's all said and done, I, I did pick the max of McDonald to go to state. Um, but I don't think it's a given by, even though they're number one and they're 22 and two, and they've been there before, you know, private school, whatever, all that stuff. Um, I, I think that they're there. It's a tough road to get to Madison in, in sectional one, tougher than usual. 
Well, Mark, we're going to fire up the WSN helicopter and make a trip up to Solon Springs. We'll we'll head over to uh, Maple and, and Northwestern after that, and then <laughs> maybe swing by Superior and yeah. South Shore and Bayfield and Washburn. Yeah. Um, we'll we'll get that on the schedule. For I, you know, I've always told my wife I want to get up there, um, and, I, and I do. I really do. I, I've never been to Superior or any of those small burgs around there, Bayfield, or um, you know. And yet I see them on streams, and it just looks like a fun you know, fun part of the state to, to here's, here's your, uh, here's your, <laughs> here's your WSN bonus for next year. <laughs> you can, uh, go up and find a Friday, Saturday where Solon Springs and Northwestern play. You can, uh, we'll, ex- you can expense a hotel room with your wife up there, uh, drive up there. We'll expense the drive. You can watch one of them on Friday night, one on Saturday, and that'll be your uh, your bonus from WSN next year. How's that sound? Yeah, that sounds good. Because you know what? Awesome. Solon Springs got everyone back next year. Uh, so they're going to be really, really good a year from now. Well, there you go. Mark Miller is coming to Solon Springs next year, everyone. Make sure you schedule a Friday night game or a Saturday game so he can take in a couple games up there. But uh, we will expense that for Mark if he's able to get up there. I promise you. Uh, but, Mark, let's move on to sectional number two. Newman Catholic, the top seed in the top part of that grouping. Uh, a number of CWC teams, some Merrowood Conference teams in there. Pacelli is the number two seed. Bottom part of that bracket, Florence is a top seed and gets a bye. A lot of MO, Northern Lakes type schools. Three Lakes is the two seed down there. But it seems like the, the top part of that bracket, which also includes Columbus Catholic, by the way, uh, certainly uh, quite a bit stronger than the bottom part of sectional two. Yeah, top half is really good. Really, really good. I, I You know, when you look at... Yeah, Newman and Assumption and Wild Rose, Home and Bancroft, you know, Columbus, Athens, uh, Port Edwards, uh, Marion, uh, Pacelli. You got multiple conference champions in that top half, uh, all, all with uh, really good basketball teams this year. Um, Pacelli's 21 and three, uh, Newman's 20 and four. They had, they did not play during the regular season. Uh, Columbus Catholic, you know, they, they had kind of an up and down year, partly due to injuries. Uh, they seem to be healthy. They, they, they played exceptionally well against uh, Fall Creek on Saturday uh, to win that game. Uh, you never count on a Joe Konichki coach team. So we were looking at, you know, potentially a Newman um, Columbus uh, regional final. However, uh, Columbus uh, uh, w- would have to get by in all likelihood Almond Bancroft in a regional semi. And, and Almond's got a better record at 19 and 5. Uh, and has a really good 6'6 sophomore in Aiden Phillips. Uh, and Coach Kurt Lamb's son, TJ, is also a really good player. Alan Bancroft's a good team, so uh, it's not a given that Newman and Columbus uh, meet in that regional final. Uh, and then, you know, Pacelli, I think um, I think that they're, they're probably looking at a regional final in their gym against uh, uh, Athens, and Pacelli won the, the CWC South, and Athens won the Merrowood North. Uh, Athens has some size. Um, Pacelli's got uh, a lot of size and, and one of the best young big guys around and Jaden Howie. Uh, so both regional finals and the top half are going to be really good basketball uh, games and four good teams scoring off against each other. Uh, lower half, uh, you know, Florence got the number one seed and won the Northern Lakes Conference. Three Lakes finished second in that league. They're the second seed. Uh, most of the Merrowood, uh, or excuse me, M&O Conference, uh, they're better teams. Uh, Krivitz is in D4. Uh, so is Coleman. Uh, the next best team probably was Gillett, and they're the third seed. 
Uh, so Gillette could may, maybe upset the apple cart a little bit uh, and get by those Northern Lakes teams. But honestly, the team that comes out of the top half would be the heavy favorite. Um, I picked Newman Catholic. I think Mason Prey, Isaac Seidel, some of the guys they had off their eight-man football championship, like uh, Eli Gustafson and the Connor Crock, the quarterback of that t- football team. Uh, uh, really, they're not deep, but man, they got five guys that that can all play. They went out and played some D1 teams, some D2 teams. Uh, you know, they came up to Columbus to play, and then they played Stoughton just recently, split those two games beating Stoughton. I like Newman to come out of that sectional. All right, let's move on to sectional number three, where uh, a lot of a lot of teams kind of from all over, really. I mean, you've got uh, Dairyland schools, Scenic Bluff schools. Um, you know, bottom part of that bracket is a lot of uh, Ridge and Valley, Six Rivers. But uh, the top part, Royal is the top seed, and uh, Hillsboro is a two seed, both teams out of the Scenic Bluffs. Bottom part, Seneca got the top seed with Potosi, the number two seed. You mentioned in your preview that Southwestern is maybe one of the teams to watch as a three seed. Of course, they have been so close. Head coach Clinton Emmett, who I've known for, for many years, um, so close to that first state tournament berth, including last year yep. that ended with controversy in a sectional game against Bangor, whether a shot was released before or after the buzzer. Right. Um, would love to see Clint and Southwestern get through um, but it's going to be a tough road for them. Um, but that uh, sectional number three, uh, pretty deep without maybe a, a clear-cut favorite. Well, I think you're going to be happy because I picked Southwestern to get there. I, I mean, when you beat Mineral Point and some of the teams that they beat from the Swall, um, you know, to me that 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 proves that you're a really good basketball team. And they're 16 and 7, so it's not like, you know, they, they have a bad record. Um, so I, I think just the, the fact that they play in the Swall – uh, you know, it's going to really, really help them like it has in the past. Um, and you know, they've come up just short in the past, but I think this time around, they're going to get all the way there. The breaks are going to fall their way, but uh, that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. There's good teams that particularly in the lower half, Seneca won the scenic bluffs, but Tosi shared the six rivers West with, with river Ridge, you know, uh, Wazika Steuben, uh, you know, finished second in the Ridge and Valley, uh, certainly capable of, of, of making a sectional run. Uh, and then, you know, on the top half, uh, you know, the, the Hillsborough and Royal uh, are the top two seeds there. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a tough call, you know, as to who would come out of that top half. I, I think probably Royal, but uh, Hillsborough's, you know, uh, uh, right there with them. Um, so when it's all said and done, I got Seneca making it to Madison. Um, but um, uh, it's not going to be easy, uh, particularly in that lower half. There's, they're going to encounter some some pretty tough competition. Uh, looking at a Potosi, having to travel to Potosi for a regional final. And then, uh, you know, a sectional semi against probably either Wazika or Seneca, although Ithaca also has had a really good year. Uh, so, <clears throat> you know, they're, they might have an easier game in the sectional final than they do in a couple of the games leading up to that. And yet, you know, the scenic bluffs is a good league. So, you know, Royal and Hillsborough are, are both really good basketball teams. So we'll, we'll see, you know, Alma Pepin's another one. They won the Dairyland small uh, up in that upper half of the sectional that potentially could make some noise. But uh, like I said, I got Southwestern headed to Madison. If Southwestern makes it, Clint Nemitz would join 
relatively elite fraternity of coaches that have played in the state tournament as players and as and coached as coaches. He was part of a state title winning team at Cassville in 2000. They also made it in 1999. Um, so that would be a good story as well. Uh, let's move on, though. We're almost wrapped up. We got one sectional left in one division, and that's sectional four in division five. Fall River is the top seed in the top part of that grouping. Excuse me. Uh, Faith Christian out of Williams Bay. Maybe a little bit of uh, some some interesting seating there. We, we talked about some of the challenges of some of those smaller teams, especially the uh, parochial school teams or private school teams in southeast Wisconsin. Uh, Central Wisconsin Christian, though, is the top seed in the pod, bottom part of that bracket. Heritage Christian, the top seed in, or excuse me, the number two seed in the bottom part of that bracket. What do we think in uh, in sectional four, Mark? Well, yeah, Faith Christian probably got the benefit of playing in the Lake City Conference and, and piling up a lot of wins against WIA member schools for the most part, but but programs that are just kind of, you know, get when you think of like Crystal Ray and St. Anthony and St. Augustine Prep and Eastbrook Academy, they're just kind of getting going with basketball. Um, you know, Crystal Ray's only been around for, you know, maybe five, seven years, whatever it is. Uh, they just got a new, built a new school, got a beautiful new gym. Um, so they did get a, a little better seed than, than probably, uh, uh, they deserved, I guess. Uh, uh, I I know they're a good team, though. They have a couple good players. Um, they're not on the same level as Fall River. Uh, Fall River is definitely the team in the upper half uh, to to watch. Um, you know, I think Abundant Life, St. Ambrose, the co-op team there is probably the second best team in the upper half. Um, and uh, I think Fall River senior experience, uh, Cullen Rawls and Colin Veith, having been there, you know, now for several years as seniors. Uh, will be enough to get them out of the top half. The bottom half is is pretty competitive. Uh, CWC uh, won the conference title in the Trailways East. Heritage finished uh, uh, one game behind Lake Country Lutheran and Brookfield Academy in the Midwest Classic. Heritage is 22-2 and two overall, um, and so is CWC. I think we're probably looking at a matchup of those two teams uh, in the sectional semi. Um, Wayland Academy has also had a really good year. They're 17 and three. They're probably looking at going to Heritage for a regional final. CWC is probably looking at either Reedsville or Green Bay New Lutheran uh, at home in a regional final. That will be a difficult game. Um, I have. I just think that the bottom half are going to beat up on each other. I think CWC and Heritage and and Reedsville and NEW Lutheran and Wayland, even Lourdes are all teams that can make it tough on each other. Um, but I think Fall River is the one that's going to end up on top. And I think they're going to head to Madison for the state tournament. All right. Well, let's make one more group of people unhappy here, Mark, at the end of the, the show. Uh, I think you gave them all to us, but give us your picks for state and sure. then your state championship pick in Division 5. Yeah, I have McDonald over Southwestern and I have Newman over Fall River, the semis. Uh, I think both those games will be very close, very, very competitive. Um, and then I have Newman over McDonald in an old matchup of Central Wisconsin Catholic Conference teams uh, in the state title game. Awesome. We won't have to deal with any uh, complaints or um, controversies <laughs> yeah. or, uh, or anything like that then if yeah, it's, two private schools beat two public schools in the semifinals. Yeah, you know, it's uh, Ron Colley, you know, won D4 last year, and, and this year I think they have – I think they're eight and 16. Newman starts five seniors. Uh, they're not going to be anywhere near where they have a, are this year. But, you know, 
Newman's been pointing to this year for several years. I mean, these kids, a lot of these kids played as ninth graders. And, you know, when you look at public schools, it's the same kind of thing, particularly at the real, at the D5 level, you kind of have every once in a while, a group that comes through uh, Fall River, for example, their senior class um, that comes through and you're like, wow, we can, we can go a long ways with this group. And, and they gain that experience, you know, at a young age. Um, but it's hard to sustain unless you're a Randolph, you know, where, where you have, uh, I think NEW Lutheran has done a really nice job of keeping their program, uh, you know, at the top of D5 and Lourdes as well. But even Lourdes, you know, they're 13 and 11. It's not like they're blowing people out. So um, public, private, you know, rural, urban, whatever, uh, it's all about building programs. Uh, occasionally you'll get a transfer, but I'm looking at those Newman kids and, and you know, to my knowledge, they, they've all been there since uh, before high school because that's a K through 12 system, um, you know, so... Um, you know, it's not like they got a transfer from East or West or something like that. In fact, one of the, one of the starters at East was in the Newman system through eighth grade that, that, you know, would have definitely been in their rotation had he stayed, but, uh, you know, so it's, it's this, that, and the other, I mean, you know, it's, it's a horse of peace. I mean, things happen and people decide on where they send their kids to school for a lot of different reasons. All right. Well, we're through five divisions. We are over two hours on the podcast today. I think this is a record. Uh, Mark, you are part of a record-setting performance on the WSN podcast. You will always have that on your resume. Nobody can take that away from you. So, well, If there's anyone that listens to all two hours, let Travis or I know, and we will give you a shout-out because <laughs> that would be a long time to listen to you and I yakking. How about this? The first five people that tweet at me and say they made it through the entire episode, I will send you a WSN t-shirt. Um, so if you make it this far, let me know and, and we'll get you some WSN gear. Uh, we appreciate people sticking around. There's a lot of information. There's a lot of great insight from Mark. You can check out more from Mark on wisports.net. That includes his full tournament breakdowns for each division. He will have his predictions for the opening round of the playoffs up shortly. He'll have predictions for each night of the playoffs as well as we, uh, head into that special time of the year boys basketball regionals this week girls basketball sectionals what a time what a uh, a time on the sports schedule but enjoy it because it is going to be over very very soon um three weeks of the boys playoffs will fly by and uh so enjoy the opportunities to get out and you know i i post it every year and i have for a few years the 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 quote and the pictures uh, you know how many players are going to play their last game ever in high school basketball or last competitive basketball game period. Right. It's five, 5,000 kids are going to play their last high school basketball game this week uh, or in the next couple of weeks at anyway. Um, it's, it's crazy to think about, but uh, you know, you, you want to go out the way that you would like to. So rage against the dying of the light um, that will do it though for today. We're going to sign off, get you on your way again. If you made it this far, send us a tweet. We'll get you a t-shirt. Uh, Mark, again, huge thanks for uh, for joining us and sticking around for a couple hours here. Absolutely. Looking forward to the playoffs. Thanks, Travis. All right. He is Mark Miller. I am Travis Wilson. This has been a WSN podcast. We'll see you at a game.